2: Hello, friends. I have a question for you.
1: I'm listening. I'm your friend, right?
2: Yes. Yes, you're my friend, and you, and you speak for the rest of our friends because they don't have microphones right now. I do. All right. So the question is, are you afraid of computer viruses, worms, data diddlers, killer programs, and other threats to your system?
1: Yeah. The, yeah, especially the worm part.
2: Yeah, you should be.
1: I usually like worms, too.
2: Yeah, not computer worms. No. Not data diddlers. No. Not computer viruses, killer programs.
1: Especially the worms, though.
2: Nope. They'll steal your wife and fuck your dog.
1: <laughs> oh, shit.
2: Well, you know what you need?
1: What? I need something.
2: McAfee antivirus software. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, I've heard of that.
2: Everyone has. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy.
1: And I'm Willow Truman.
2: Are you really doing that with a goddamn green bean in your mouth?
1: I'm so sorry. I, I regretted it as soon as I took a bite of the green bean. I know I shouldn't be eating a green
2: bean. Right in the intro? <laughs> Are you fucking serious?
1: I thought I had enough time to... Just, we can cut noise out. Just swallow it before you keep talking. <laughs> it's swallowed. And I'm Willow Truman. Oh
2: my God. <laughs> oh, you a great start.
1: And I'm Willow Green Bean.
2: <laughs> green Bean Truman over here. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's funny. Good job. Um, <laughs> today, we're talking about the man... The myth. The mushroom. The mushroom. John McAfee. Okay. Invented McAfee antivirus software and made a name for himself fighting computer viruses. And worms. And worms and data diddlers.
1: Thank God. Someone has to.
2: Someone had to. And, well, that's a belief that maybe John McAfee might have invented and instilled in people that they needed his shit. He
1: was the one putting the worms there.
2: Probably not, but he was the one drumming up the threat. Okay. Well, it depends on the kind of worm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Yes. All right. Now,
2: if you've probably heard that the guy who made McAfee antivirus software went, went crazy. Went crazy. He went yes. crazy. And now he's some crazy fucking asshole.
1: I've seen those YouTube video thumbnails. Yes. I have not really clicked on them though.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The John McAfee story is a fucking legend. It is like
1: Is it biblical?
2: It it might be cuz I you, like I've been I've been trying to figure out what kind of character this guy is. Because I yeah. find him really fucking compelling, but like he's not a hero. So you're like right. he's not a hero. He's not an antihero. The thing that I came up with, like the character that like we've covered that John McAfee is closest to in my mind,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is the demon Asmodeus from the Lesser Key of Solomon episode.
1: I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And if you don't know, he's like a a trickster demon, you know, he's like sly and cunning and smarmy a little bit. Swarthy. Swarthy, yes. John was- McAfee is swarthy.
2: Yes. He's the swarthiest motherfucker that mm-hmm. may have ever lived.
1: Yes, yeah, very piratey.
2: Yeah. And after inventing McAfee antivirus, he made a bunch of fucking money, started a yoga studio. Then he sold everything and moved to Belize to probably try and avoid the tax man and a couple of lawsuits. Then he, it, this was in retirement age. And then he started a uh, clandestine jungle pharmaceutical lab, uh, tried to take over a small Belizean town, had to put on a stupid disguise and flee from Belize. Went back to America, put on a little good boy act for a while.
1: A little good boy. Oh, it's me, John McAfee. It was more a
2: like a cr- little crazy good boy. He had oh, okay. a, he had another like act. Character I like going to imagine
1: on. he like was wearing a little suit, but it's like a short suit, like it's shorts, and he's like holding a little lollipop, and he's like, "It's me. I'm a little good boy." Anyway, moving. I'm on. sure there's
2: at least three people on this planet that have that has seen that scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that has happened. It's happened. Oh yeah. So after after the after the little lollipop act, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he fucking he uh, said fuck the tax man, and he instead of paying his taxes for a bunch of years, he uh, fled to Cuba, and then from Cuba he uh, tr- fucking bobbed around international waters for a while, probably spying on Jeffrey Epstein with a with a drone. That's a thing that probably happened.
1: It's a fun hobby.
2: Yeah, and then running around fucking Europe to any country that wouldn't extradite him to the U.S. with his entourage of his. Really loving and supportive wife, Janice. Uh, like, go
1: Janice. Go Janice. Episode
2: two is literally a love story. Okay. And like a, a genuine, honest to God love story. You know,
1: when you're a super weird, off-the-wall person and you find your person, mm-hmm. like, it's a beautiful thing.
2: No, the picture of them two, like, posing on their boat with AK-47s and sunglasses. Yes. It's so beautiful. Aww. Like, in, like in, in all honesty. And then as a fucking pirate with, I don't know, pi- t- t- treasure chest full of fucking cryptocurrency or, or some damn thing, can you bury cryptocurrency at the bottom of the sea? Uh, I'm sure he lost a couple USB sticks. So mm. I bet there's buried McAfee treasure.
1: There might be. Oh, my God. McAfee yeah. treasure hunt.
2: He also ran for president twice. And why not? Yeah. Uh One time, uh, I think it was, it was the Wait, 2020 campaign. president of where? Well, president of the United States of America. Okay. And then in 2020, his second presidential campaign, he also at the same time ran for um, prime minister of the UK.
1: Very ambitious.
2: Having a, Being a citizen of both countries, um, mm-hmm. he could do that. However, he, he, he was a federal criminal uh, well, in the I US. Mean, like he, How you know. many presidents haven't been? Yeah. He was never convicted, mm-hmm. but he was wanted. Okay. The IRS wanted him bad, mm. but like that doesn't seem so-
1: A lot I'm of people back. wanted him bad.
2: Yeah. For many different reasons.
1: Yeah, for, for quite a variety of reasons.
2: Well, the reason we're covering him today is because he died recently.
1: Rest in peace, Mr. McAfee.
2: He, he died of apparent suicide in a Spanish prison last month, June, and uh, epstein himself.
1: Yes, Same and now line. they're both little lollipop boys up in heaven or down in hell.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think McAfee might have transcended the, the wheel of life and death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epstein's in hell. Okay. yeah there's gonna be a two- part series episode one is going to be John McAfee's life from birth and through his time in Belize the time frame gets longer the more the further you go into McAfee's life because right, he just got fucking crazier and crazier We
1: don't know a lot about the early years right. or what
2: okay um I mean there's not that much yeah. he really got more adventurous and crazy and, and 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 I say crazy as in like he he was a dude who was uncompromising to the bit the bit he was doing the story he was telling the character he was playing. You know, not in like he was faking anything. Like he was a singular force that he just
1: stopped putting up a, f- a filter,
2: and he stopped acknowledging much. other people's realities.
1: Yeah, and reactions to him. Yeah, as like being something that I don't know to take into consideration when making a decision.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. John McFee was a fucking pirate king. Isn't he was. Like, a, he's
1: a pirate, kind of like a cowboy too.
2: He was a demon, a cowboy, mm-hmm. and a powerful wizard. Yes. John McAfee was a powerful wizard. Before we get into it, I'm just going to play this clip of John while he was doing the Good Boy Act in like 2013. This uh, little interview just to give you a flavor because I think like mm-hmm. this kind of him trying to hold it together right yeah. after all that, I think that's peak. Yeah. It's peak McAfee.
1: Just a flavor. Not like a whole bite, but like a little lick. Yeah,
0: a little, little peak.
1: Do some people think you're crazy. Do you think
0: I think it? most people think I'm crazy.
1: And you're okay with that?
0: Absolutely. Thoughts change overnight. Uh, you get a new piece of information and suddenly the world opens up. So it doesn't matter if they think you're crazy or if they love you. If they love you, they'll hate you in a year. If they hate you, they'll love you in a year.
2: Do you kind of seek
1: the shock factor and trying to if,
0: if, keep people If it people doesn't unsettled? happen automatically, then I do create it, of course. I have a story to tell. And I can't tell it if people don't listen. And people will not listen if it's, it's, if it's a sweet story. They just will not. People don't like sweets. Not for long. They like the tension They like tragedy and, and catastrophe
1: Okay, I yeah. love that mm-hmm. so much That's like, yes Reminds me a lot about something I'm going to be covering soon And right we on. will get Okay. Back to that. Well, cool. <laughs> You'll know exactly what I mean. Okay. But, oh, my gosh, like the whole, you know, I got a story to tell. What is it without, like, the ups and the downs and the intents, right. you know? I got to make these story beats happen, you know? Yeah. Like.
2: <laughs> and there is this thing throughout McAfee's life where I, th- he's a fucking liar. He's fucking tough to pin down. He's um,
1: mischievous. Yeah, but it does
2: always seem like he has a goal that only he knows. Yeah. And that is weirder than you could think, right? I
1: mean, although he seems to be telling it pretty point blank, you know, I think it's just- That might be the secret. It's just so weird that people can't accept it at face value and they're like, "Mm, there must be something like something up, even Mm. though he's just telling you or he wants attention.
2: Oh, he definitely wants attention. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So this is- uh John McAfee asking himself and or asking the interviewer who is John McAfee, posing the question in his own
0: in his own words. So is McAfee a successful entrepreneur who went mad while living in the jungle and surrounded himself by guns and became paranoid and killed his neighbor? Or is he the potential savior of America? Or did he just act out the greatest mind of all times?
2: All right.
1: Money's on all three. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So, John McAfee was born on September 18th, 1945.
1: Okay, what's his astrological sign?
2: Uh that would be Virgo. Okay. Yeah, right at the tail end of Virgo, I believe. Weird. Um, I don't know. He's very
1: He's got a plan.
2: He's and he's a he's always got an option. He's always jiggling something. Yeah. He's always fucking moving the levers.
1: Making things happen.
2: He can't he's incapable of letting things flow. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Although at the same, he's a fucking paradox, you know. Yeah. Because it's really impossible to answer the question, "Who are you?" Like, if someone asks me, "Like, who am I?" I'm like, "Oh, Oh, yeah. Where where should I start?" You know, what do you? Are you asking my name in what context? Yeah. Yeah. So, and also. You know, if if we look at ourselves, there's probably points in our lives where we've been heroes, we've been villains, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, depending on what story I tell you about myself, you'll either think I, I'm pretty nifty or you'll think I'm awful. Yeah. You know? So everyone kind of follows that path. We just don't live such public, outrageous lives.
2: And we don't go so hard into each of those yeah. Into, into each of those realms. Yeah. You
1: know, and also like nobody needs to know those things really unless I choose to sh- share them. Yeah. Whereas when you're a public figure like everybody knows everything. And
2: he was very forthcoming with like a lot mm-hmm. of ter- e- freely admitting to lots of terrible yeah, which things.
1: Is, like cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? It's um kind of sympathetic in a way.
2: I see him as a sympathetic villain for sure. Yeah, you um, know. Yeah, for sure.
1: I always I like um Fairly terrible people. <laughs> I kind of find myself drawn to figures that are repelling to others.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: That, McAfee might have been one of the most human humans mm-hmm. he's ever been.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. So he was born on September 18th, 1945 on a U.S. Army base in the U.K. Dad was in the U.S. military, so he was he, he had uh, dual citizenship. He was one of the first— fifty. Uh, yeah. yeah. But shortly after his birth, uh, his father was transferred back to the U.S., to Virginia, and then McAfee grew up uh, just outside Roanoke, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. Yeah, beautiful country. That's where he got that goddamn perfect drawl, too.
1: Yeah, his whoa. voice is beautiful. It's
2: like he, he sounds like fucking Shere Khan from the Jungle Book. He
1: should have recorded audiobooks. Maybe he did. Probably his own. Those
2: yoga tapes, dude. I can't find yeah. them. Whoa, 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 we'll get to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> his mom was a bank teller, and his dad was a uh, Uh, a road surveyor after the military. So, like, they weren't rich. Yeah,
1: smells of middle class. Yeah,
2: wicked middle class. His dad was also a fucking complete piece of shit, violently abusive, physically abusive, uh, alcoholic monster to both John and his mom. Oh. Yeah. and That's too bad. When John was not too old, um, I'm not entirely sure when it happened, but his dad killed himself. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and, like, that's, that's a thing that leaves an indelible imprint. That'll weigh know? on
1: you. Yeah. I mean, um, my grandfather committed suicide and it's something that when it happens in families, it's much more likely for, you know,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: um, their offspring to do that as well. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting to think about.
2: Yeah. Speaking to, uh, Wired writer, Joshua Davies in 2012, which, uh, in, um, if you're watching any like YouTube like biographies of of John McAfee, you're going to see a lot of this this a lot of this episode uh, the plot points in the same exact way, but also um because there's only really this one article that covers his like early life and shit. Yep. Um but I will say that uh all you motherfuckers making the YouTube videos with the millions of views, you're literally plagiarizing this dude. Like you're take you're saying the words he wrote. Yeah. And people are praising you for your like fuck you. And don't do that. It? Not sourcing. They're just. They're not even putting in quotes. Huh. They're not even just stealing the structure. They're stealing the literal fucking article. I've seen this with like three videos. Yeah, so that far.
1: reminds me. I have to start like. We need to make a web page so that we can put show notes up so that I can include all of my sources.
2: Oh yeah, but yeah. So speaking to uh, speaking in that article, John McAfee said about his father. And um, quote: Every day I wake up with him. Every relationship I have, he's by my side. Every mistrust, he is the negotiator of that mistrust. So my life is fucked. Yikes. That, I don't, that line, he is the negotiator of that mistrust. It's, well, that's a, it's a good phrase.
1: Um, it's hard to pick apart exactly what's meant by that. Yeah,
2: you know, I have no idea, but it like, sounds good. It's hard to say. It takes a, he is the negotiator of that mistrust. Right. So it's a, he's
1: it, he's mistrustful of other people, probably because his own parents um, hurt him. Yeah, and it's allowed- it's his
2: da- well, it's his dad's voice yeah. telling him why he shouldn't trust them. Right? Right. like, Yeah, it's the gatekeeper to whether he trusts or distrusts. So I, yeah, yeah, I think that's what he's saying. So maybe I do understand. yeah, the other way this like left an imprint in John was that he you know like a lot of people grew up in that environment, they learn how to lie. They learn how to get away with shit. They learn how to manipulate oh, situations. yeah. You, know, so, you have
1: to in order to, right. like,
2: avoid certain punishments or consequences. Right, exactly. And he he got pushed into that great American outlaw career path, the confidence man. Yep. Yep.
1: Sometimes that is, like, the most fruitful route to go. Hey,
2: man, it's... I don't... I love a good confidence I man. I don't
1: disrespect the hustle. In fact, I am, um, you know, do the yeah. thing. Just don't hurt People
2: yeah, do don't hurt way. people. And like, you know? you know, try to only take from the, from the deserved. From
1: the, from the ignorant. Yeah. Can't sniff out your obvious scam.
2: Yeah. I'm always like, I see a, I see a con man as a, it's a surprise puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: <laughs> it's a lesson that you need to learn. Yeah.
2: I always, I, I always wanted to beat someone at the shell game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty good at it. What's
1: the shell? Is That's that when a, you put the things under the cups and yeah, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. which one is it under? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard
2: to find an honest shell game, though, because mm-hmm. you just drop it off the edge. Yeah. It's, it's not in any of the cups. So during uh, McAfee's first year at Roanoke College, he, uh, he did the old, uh, uh, you've won a free magazine subscription bit. You know that one?
1: Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I liken it to the like Instagram. Yeah, Get a free bathing suit, but you just have to pay shipping and handling.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. I get it with sunglasses and watches because I'm mm-hmm. that asshole.
1: Right. I get it with more girly things.
2: Yes. It is that like the dumb shit you don't need though. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: And it's always worth the cost of the shipping and handling. It's never like a good deal.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, like. That's the same way with the magazines. You knock on a door and tell people they had won a free magazine subscription. They only needed to pay for the shipping and handling. And then the uh, magazine never comes? No, the magazine comes. Okay, uh, well
1: then shit. It's not that yeah, really yeah. much of a scam, is it?
2: Right, it's a con. It's like it's, a, it's, con. A, it's, a, it's yeah. a con.
1: It's like leading them into thinking that they're getting a good deal.
2: Well, here's what, here's what McAfee said about it. So, in fact, I am explaining to them why it's not free and why they are going to pay for it. But the ruse worked and I made a fortune. Like, (laughs) that's like the perfect summation of the con man. Yeah. You're explaining to them why it's not free and why they're going to pay for it. And they still Mm -hmm. think it's free. Son of a bitch. There you go. At college, uh, John kind of drank away that fortune. He found he loved fucking booze.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I sent you that thing about his cocktail mm. that he made. What the fuck? There's like mezcal in there and what else?
2: That was a thing he was drinking when there was just dregs of bottles left on his boat. Oh, yeah. And I... then someone asked him about it. He's like, it's a cocktail I just invented. Oh, gross. You know, that's probably what happened yeah. with that. It was like.
1: He would drink anything though, basically.
2: For a while. I mean, I think he, he quit booze uh, in the 80s. Okay. And then I'm pretty sure he didn't drink again until like a couple years before his death, because it's.
1: Go out He's in boring. his fucking
2: seventies in like the 2010s, and you look at him, and you go, "There's no fucking way that dude's in his seventies. Like mm-hmm. he's in his fifties, you know." And then like seemingly overnight, he just turns into a super old dude. That'll do it. Yeah, and when and that's when the videos of him drunk as shit start showing up too. Okay, so that's yeah. also the yeah. So
1: confirmation.
2: Yeah, like, and that's. I mean, I knew he was drinking then because he was talking about he was drinking tequila but it means he probably wasn't drinking for the time before that. Right. But I do still think he was doing a lot of other stuff. We
1: have suspicions. We
2: have suspicions. Despite drinking away uh, that fortune, uh, McAfee graduated Roanoke College and began a PhD program in mathematics at North Northeast Louisiana
1: State College. Word. What was his um, undergrad major? No
2: idea. Probably, Probably math. All right. I have to imagine like Cool. Um yeah, he started that in 1968. Uh, he was kicked out for sleeping with an undergrad student.
1: Really stupid.
2: She would later become his first wife. Really cool. Yeah. All right. Um,
1: Probably worth it then. In
2: yeah, know. I think they were married for a decent amount of time too. Like all right. Yeah, she never like she doesn't show up prominently in the story.
1: Yeah <laughs> But like I don't know That really shows The difference between That time and our time That you could be Yeah Fucking kicked out of college For having sex with someone
2: Well he Because he was a PhD student So he was like teaching Okay You know
1: Was she one of his students Yeah we don't, well, oh. I
2: don't know if she was One of his students But she was
1: She was a student She was a
2: student Yeah
1: Alright At he was school? like an assistant or, At you the know. same school That he was teaching at
2: I mean, I don't I don't really want to see he was he was a PhD guy. He was right. probably teaching classes, but he wasn't a professor. Still kind you know of lame. What I, mean? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean they're yeah. fucking adults, but also do? how
1: does anyone even find out? She must have someone was blabbing.
2: Dude, John was blabbing. Yeah. Like, he must have been. That's what he does. <sighs> he runs his fucking mouth all the time. Yeah. Um, but so after after that happened, uh he uh he still managed to get a career in his in his field. His first foray into uh, programming was making uh, punch cards for Univac in Tennessee. Before you could just, like, type code into fucking text editors and shit, you could have computers do things, but you used these, like, punch cards that would stick into a machine and so activate like, certain switches.
1: So, like, little index cards? Yeah, or, like, like cardboard. Said, yeah. Okay, with holes in it or what? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, and you stick it in and like it would go through and, and it would flip switches and shit.
1: Depending on like the shape of the the holes in the card, it would tell the the machine to do different things or what. Yeah, the holes were Weird. in place it
2: like the same way sort of like a okay. player piano works. Yeah, yeah. Like it has the holes and it flips the switch it, like mm-hmm. yeah, so, kind of like that but just for like gates and, and shit. Okay. I'm just I think that's correct. But I okay. might be totally wrong. <laughs> I'm not a computer guy, but I'm pretty okay. sure that's correct. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I'd be saying that a lot. Yes. So he uh, he was fired from that job though after he got arrested for buying weed.
1: Oh my god! Again yep. with like the really stupid offenses.
2: Yeah, like I just went to the weed store. Yeah. Like, how about that?
1: Seriously. So funny.
2: So after getting fired for just he wasn't even like charged for buying weed like he was arrested for it but then like they didn't charge him with anything but he still got fired. Uh huh. Jesus Christ! That's how you make a monster right there. Uh,
1: I mean, really, that's how you get someone that's like, all right, well. Clearly the establishment authority figures, like, their rules are fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, it's just really fucking stupid and, like, arbitrary. Why should you ever have to lose opportunities because you, like, fucked or smoked weed?
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, because that means you a bad person. Yeah. But his time there wasn't, uh, it wasn't wasted. Yeah, things
1: happened the way they were supposed to. Yeah,
2: he learned enough at UNIVAC to, um, completely fake a resume. Just completely fake a resume. Yeah, buddy. And he got a job at Missouri at the Missouri Pacific Railroad in Saint Louis. St. Louis. I don't. I've never know how to pronounce. Is it Louis or Louis? Louis. St. Louis.
1: St. Louis. St. Fucking Louis. St. Louis. Oh my god. I'm just imagining like a brand new Catholic saint, and it's like St. Louis.
2: There's got to be a St. Louis.
1: Yeah, and he's like he's kind of chunky. He's wearing like a grease stained like tank top, (laughs) and he's he's St. Louis. And you, what do you pray to him for? I wonder. Um. For when you want a hot dog.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so Please, he was St. in St. Louis. Yeah, it was 1969, and Missouri Pacific Railroad was trying to, for you know, for the first time, use computers to schedule trains and like, uh-huh. train switch or whatever the fuck schedule, make the trains run smooth and shit hadn't really been done before using computers. You gotta imagine that's probably kind of a scary fucking thing, right?
1: Yeah, it's a big switch over to like a brand new right like technology.
2: Trains could can kill people. Yes. And you're gonna put it in the hands of a fucking machine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kinda scary. So they needed someone really responsible, of impeccable character.
1: Like like John McAfee?
2: Like like the person John McAfee's fake resume said he was.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Which by the way Brilliant, mm-hmm. like good move.
2: He knew he had the skills.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. He knew he like, could do the
2: fucking job. Sometimes
1: you, you just got to fake it a little bit. Yeah,
2: so he became the person in charge of program of, of programming their train switching program, mm-hmm. right? Or not even program train switching, a whole fucking computer.
1: Did it result in any crashes or deaths?
2: Fuck no, he did a killer okay. job. Well
1: then, great, good yeah. for him.
2: Yeah, no, he 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 crushed it because like the, crushed it. The one thing you can. St- say about McAfee that's like definitely true is dude fucking knew how to code he knew how computers worked and he was very good at it and he was on the like this is 1969 he was already a fucking adult he was on the cutting edge of like coding the entire
1: right he was on the cutting edge of of
2: yeah yeah he was always trying to see what more he could fucking do and uh it was at Missouri Pacific scheduling the trains that really important job yeah when he uh, discovered psychedelic drugs
1: Okay.
2: Yes. LSD specifically, he fell in love with at first.
1: And did he ever go to work on it?
2: He started eating acid for breakfast. Oh, cool. Going to work and routing trains all day. Did ever go to work on drugs? Uh, depends on the job. I've smoked weed before. Okay. You know?
1: I worked uh, at a... Depends um, on the job I have to do, though. I worked at a fat camp for kids. <laughs> And I would take. I was a videographer, and I would take mushrooms before I went. Um, and it was it was fantastic. This isn't
2: a bit, by the way. I've heard the story before we started doing the podcast. I mean,
1: I don't care about saying this because, like, with mm. the job, and it doesn't matter to me. Um, the people were like scumbags. But I would take mushrooms and go to work, and go it film w- fat kids. Yeah, like <laughs> film, and I sit outside all day. I would go into the woods and like do rituals to like <laughs> to leopard goddesses. <laughs> Oh my God! great we were time. actually just
2: communing with John McAfee. maybe yeah um
1: so how did it go for him when he did drugs and went to work?
2: While he was just eating acid for breakfast? totally fine.
1: okay
2: yeah, yeah it was yeah, totally fine um but then one fine morning, John decided to try DMT mm. now the that's a big boy drug big boy drug, and we know that like the way people do DMT now is they smoke it, mm-hmm right. You know that's the that's the benefit of having a uh, pioneers like John McAfee coming before us.
1: Yes, so we we learn how to do it correctly. We're, we're standing or, on the shoulders of yes. giants. <laughs>
2: uh, John John snorted it. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't light it up. He uh, he blew it. And the first uh, the first bump didn't do anything. Didn't do yeah. anything you know.
1: Well, it would be hard to like really dose dose it, right?
2: It would. Um, but you know, you you can be sure you've done as much as you. You possibly could. A little
1: could. bit at a time, well, maybe. I don't the know. The only
2: way you can really be sure that you've you've done as as much as you can do, so if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen. The only way you can be sure is if you do the whole fucking bag.
1: Oh, my God. And
2: that's exactly what John McAfee See, did. See,
1: that's silly. He should have... Well, yeah. I was going to say...
2: It's very silly.
1: Yeah. You can... Do more DMT. It's not like one of those drugs where you take it and then you can't like do it again because it won't like do anything for you. You can like smoke it again and uh, yeah. try it out if you don't if you don't do enough the first time. So like try build up the dose a little yeah. bit by a little bit. Yeah, you know to now, find out where's good.
2: Of course, we don't know if it was actually DMT. No. Now there's a couple of different types of DMT. Like ayahuasca is a type of DMT. Right. Uh, five M E O DMT that lasts for much longer instead of like the smokable kind that just like blasts you into space for fifteen minutes, minutes or whatever. Um a lot of different like different ways you can take chemicals will impact how long it the experience lasts or, you know, how bioavailable it is at different
1: Yes. And like smoking is one of the fastest
2: butt. he should have. That's the fastest way. Yeah. I'm I pretty have sure and your then, rectum. Yeah, rectum and then um then it's smoking and then snorting and then eating. Of course, of course. yeah, needles are fastest, but don't do that. It's fucking stupid.
1: Aya up your rectum.
2: Yeah. That's
1: a Connor Murphy quote.
2: Stick a jungle plant up your ass. Yes. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so John railed the whole fucking bag of orange powder called DMT or orange crystal powder. Yeah. He said that within an hour, his mind was shattered.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He left this planet.
2: Well, yeah, and he certainly left Missouri Pacific Railroad. He never went back there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably scared the shit out of his coworkers.
2: <laughs> instead, instead he, uh, he found himself hiding behind a dumpster somewhere in, in St. Louis.
1: Yeah. Which, by the way, like, kind of a weird city to be, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: To be blessed out of your Gordon High-Powered Psychedelics. Yeah. In 1969. Uh-huh. Or seventy two or whatever the fuck, however long it was. Yeah, no, that's be terrible. Yeah. I, I would never want to be in that position. No,
1: one time I went to St. Louis and we couldn't find the car where we had parked it and we had to wander around St. Louis at like 2 a.m. for about an hour looking for a parked f- where we parked the car which by the way already infuriating.
2: Yeah, I imagine. And
1: then there was just like this screaming man that mm-hmm. was the only other person that seemed to be awake and in the city at the time that just seemed to like be on every street that we were trying to look f- It was. <laughs> I'll never forget.
2: That was the temporal imprint left by John McAfee <laughs> during this yes. misadventure. Yeah. I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. So, in um in, in the Wired article, uh Joshua Davis says uh that like I don't know if John told him this or if he's just doing like the writer speculation about someone else's like fucking mindset or whatever, but he writes that part of him still believes he's on that trip, that everything since has been one giant hallucination and that one day he'll snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis lis- listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't you have that that thought ever?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes.
1: Yeah, like, what if this is all just a dream? What if this is just a, a trip? I Salvia
2: that you one know? time as a teenager, like, uh, things have been weird since. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? So the, the next decade of John's life was, uh, next decade or so was a blur of drugs and liquor and still somehow being a very successful programmer. He did hit rock bottom, though. And Mm. rock bottom came for John McAfee in 1983. He was working at some fucking company named Omex, which does something. I don't know. Omex. It's a fucking business corp.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they produce, like,
2: fiber optics or something. Some goddamn Something really boring. Fiber optics are really cool. Okay. Let's talk about fiber optics for an hour. All right. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but John, you know, he brought the party to Omex, you know, he was, uh, he was blowing Coke off his desk every morning, drinking a bottle of scotch every single day while he was at work. Wow. Yep. His wife left him. He had to give give away his dog. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, sure that he was one bad day away from going out like his dad did, you know? And someone convinced him to join Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, he told Joshua Davies that he'd never drank again, but as we'll see in part two, this was written in 2012, as we mentioned. Uh, there are a fuck ton of, yeah, fuck ton of videos on the internet getting after, shit hammered.
1: After 2012, a lot of things happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But John was over for a while, at least. A few years, maybe more, a few decades. Who knows?
1: After his um, stint at Omics. And they let him keep his job despite acting like that?
2: Um, coding or did he, coding like- is sort of notorious, uh, known for being more merit-based than a lot of other
1: All right. So, like, like even if you're, like, super fucked up, if you get your work done, it's whatever.
2: I think in a lot of places, yeah, because those skills are so, like... Coveted? It's such, like, an art... Like, if you've been working on the same thing for a while, like... Right. They they don't know how to train anyone else to do... Yeah. Especially, like, back in the early days. Yeah. He says as if he fucking knows anything. Yell at me if I'm wrong, friends who are coders. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They'll tell me. Uh, But, like, yeah, no, he... After sobering up, he even managed to get his fucking dumbass a security clearance to work at Lockheed Martin for developing a classified voice recognition system.
1: What the fuck? What did he have to put on his resume for that one? Who
2: knows, but he did. This all started with a fake fucking resume. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Look what it can do.
2: But that wasn't to be his destiny. Pretty good from humble beginnings, battling drug addiction to, to working on classified. Like that's a story in and of itself.
1: Mm hmm. It really is. It could end there, and it would still be like a great story. But that we is haven't nowhere even near. begun
2: the beginning. We
1: haven't even begun. In
2: 1987, the world's first computer virus uh, had reached America from a Pakistani computer what shop. What was its in Lahore. name? Its name was Brain. Oh. Yeah, but I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you a question. I, I'm, I'm going to read you a, a couple names. I'm going to read you. Yeah, I'm going to read you a few names. I want you to tell me. If it is a computer virus or an 80s synth pop album.
1: Okay. I'm predicting that I'm going to get every single answer correctly because I'm psychic.
2: You also know me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So big.
1: Oh, that's a virus. Yep. <laughs> so big. Yep. Okay. Okay.
2: All right, wasn't that wasn't a great one?
1: I mean, that's just a that's a weird name for a virus.
2: Yeah, it's like a really weird name.
1: Yeah, (laughs) like my I don't know. (sighs) My instinct told me that's a virus, but it could very easily
2: be Slammer. It's an album. That's a virus. Oh
1: shit, Slammer, Slammer! I hardly know her. (laughs) Ah. Uh.
2: Okay. Vienna,
1: that's a pop album, yep, it's too beautiful to be a worm or a virus or a diddler.
2: <laughs> I love you,
1: that's a virus, yep <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, all right. speak and spell album, God damn it, all right, you've ruined my bit.
1: <laughs> no, I got one wrong.
2: You did get one wrong. I got one wrong, you got one wrong,
1: so my psychic powers are um they're they're a bit off I guess. point is.
2: Computer virus names are stupid.
1: They really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love you.
2: Yeah. I love you. That want to cry. Well, that's kind of just on the nose. klez
1: What if this is, who's, who's naming these, by the way?
2: I don't know. I think it's like a horse, you know, designed by committee. Like it just the thing Okay. People.
1: And does it in any way describe what the virus does?
2: Not really, usually. Okay. Yeah.
1: Slammer.
2: Slammer. Then there's Sasser.
1: Slammer and Sassar. those are two oh, here of the, are the seven
2: dwarves. Here are the names I was gonna use. Flashback.
1: Oh, flashback. Okay, I'm gonna go um, with album. Virus. Okay. All right. Okay.
2: I'm do a couple more, because I found.
1: Yeah, you're gonna. You're like, ooh, now I can get you on these because these ones are better. You think you're gonna get me good? Little do you know, I know everything. Low life. Um Computer virus Album Fuck That just makes me think Of the Poppy song You know that Baby you're the highlight Of my low life
2: Oh yeah 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 Yep Alright um,
1: Low life is a computer virus I feel like that's No what- low life is an album Oh okay
2: Yeah it's a newer album
1: If, if it was a computer virus It would infect my computer
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright uh, Melissa Virus Yep. All right. Got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> wow. Shit, I got Melissa infecting my computer. Melissa.
2: <laughs> Melissa's get a junk of all up on my computer. Yeah. Moving on.
1: All right, moving on.
2: So in the in the Wired article, Davy's um like paraphrases John, and I feel like John's having a bit of fun with the writer guy at this point.
1: So the writer is paraphrasing him.
2: Yeah, like you know how you like you don't actually like quote someone but you say like, oh so and so says this and okay. you, like you, you know
1: I feel like that leaves so much room for ambiguity when it comes right. to John McAfee because I would love to know like an exact transcript, but we'll take what we can get.
2: I mean I no article about him he's the spoken enough hits-
1: for himself in videos and stuff too and interviews.
2: Yeah, but it's like well, We'll get to the story that demonstrates this l- later on, but it, it definitely, anyone that writes about him, it, I feel like it ha- is seeing one reality that John wants to show them.
1: They, they're they seeing their own perception yeah, of him is yeah, what yeah. they're writing, which is something to keep in mind.
2: And he's like juicing whatever that perception is, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, yeah. Because whenever you're, someone, um, relays to you like the gist of something, what you're actually getting is their interpretation of it and what they think is important from it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um, Well, yeah, so according to Davies, John says the virus attacks reminded him of his abusive father, where he never knew when the beatings would happen or why. And he says this time he decided to do something about that.
1: I can totally see that, like, psychologically.
2: Because he's fucking paranoid.
1: Like, why? You know, me too. Like, I'm... (laughs) You have weird stuff happen on your computer or your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's really, it gives you peace of mind to feel like safe on your own device. Yeah. Knowing that like. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I can I can of, actually see it too. Of
1: threat, you know?
2: Yeah. And then so, he goes, no, you're not fucking doing this to me.
1: Yeah. There's like one place where he can ensure absolute safety. Yeah. By yeah. his own design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say like, you know, yeah, I did that. I, yeah. I protected myself. Yeah. Or protected, you know, protect other myself and too. other people too. Yeah, yeah,
2: that could like the savior thing could be like a real. That might be real.
1: Yeah, yeah. In a way, I'm sure. You know, yeah. it's also like a profitable endeavor, but well, I can also see the the absolute reason why he would feel compelled towards this particular goal.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I couldn't really. That's a good way of putting it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also fighting a threat that's sort of like this. Non-physical, non-tangible entity, which is very similar to the way that like trauma follows us around too.
2: Yeah, it's that's very insightful.
1: Why? Thank you. Moving on. You're welcome.
2: But yeah, (laughs) fuck yeah. So he started McAfee Anti McAfee Associates out of his house following this uh, following Brain's release, and he figured out how to fight viruses he cool he just did and then was he,
1: brain like the first first brain
2: was okay. the first computer virus okay i started by two pakistani brothers from their uh computer repair shop in lahore what did it do did i'm it not entirely like, sure yeah. i think it just crippled your shit and then like spread itself via like yeah. email and stuff uh, well, yeah, we wouldn't. There wouldn't be. Well, there were networks then. It wasn't yeah, like was, the and shit. Was yeah, it was. Was email? There wasn't email at yeah. that point. But yeah, so he he thus you know McAfee antivirus was was forged in John's house. Like a real American entrepreneur. Awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like,
1: how the fuck would you even figure that out? I would have no idea where to start. But then again, he was a coder. He yeah. Was you know, and
2: he'd been doing that at this point for yeah decades. Like Uh he knew how these machines worked Um, and he gave away McAfee antivirus for free and he advertised, he spent money advertising the free software on billboards. Cool. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you believe in a service enough and think that it's like a good thing and you can afford to, probably should be. Oh yeah. You know?
2: Because within uh, five years, half of the Fortune 500 companies were using it. And in in that time, he was also like going on TV and like drumming up a lot of uh, fear. He was... Spreading yeah. his paranoia, yes. right?
1: Yeah, about like why his product is necessary and yeah. you know, advisable for you to have it so that you can protect yourself.
2: Yeah, he uh, he 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 wrote a 1989 book called "Computer Viruses, Worms, Data Diddlers, Killer Programs, and oh, Other shit. Threats to Your System." So that's
1: where that comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Data diddlers. Data
2: diddlers. Oh my god. Yeah. He like. Went on TV and made ridiculous claims about how the world economy was going to be brought to a screeching halt by 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 viruses. You know, he like mm-hmm. – there was this one virus called Michelangelo that he like made this big deal about how it was going to be on fucking 10 million computers or 50 million computers, some huge fucking number, and that it was going to – you don't even understand how huge this problem is. Yeah. And like sales – this was later on when it was a paid product sales fucking went through the goddamn roof. And yeah, in the people, end, there was only like a you couple, know, of, you know, tens of thousands of infections. Like,
1: right. But if you make people believe that there's this supposed threat that they, you know, need yeah. to be wary of, mm-hmm. um, even if the risk isn't that huge, if you make them think it is. Right. And that's all you need to do.
2: And especially if you're giving it away for free at the time because- mm-hmm. And viruses were a real threat. Like that is that is true, right? Um,
1: and that's a good way also to build a customer base is to give your thing away for free at first. Yes. And then you know, once enough people have it, like it, it's working. Then you you put the, the pay twist of the knife. Up. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's exactly what he did. Um, within five years of launching McAfee antivirus, over half of the Fortune 500 companies were using it, and. You know, if it's an indispensable product, if McAfee charges a small licensing fee, licensing fee, right? What the fuck are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, once like you have that partnership and they're using your product and it's protecting their servers and everything, then you can start charging them. Mm-hmm. Whatever you know,
2: you can say, hey, well, you know, I've I've got a life to live. I have I have to put food on my my yeah. table.
1: It's like Nothing how um, personal, just Mc- business. McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken because the people that manufacture the ice cream machines, the only people licensed to service them have to be like a company worker no from shit. the company that manufactures it. So that way they like, they make a shitload of money because these machines break down and the only person that can fix it is this proprietary figure. Yeah. Yeah. Like. No shit. So yeah, it's kind of like that.
2: Yeah. No, it's very much like that. And like. He also did this shit. Yeah, he got this big 27 foot Winnebago. Nice. He put all sorts of computer bullshit all over it and in it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And he called himself the world's first antivirus paramedic unit.
1: Oh my god. And quote,
2: the first specially customized unit to wage effective yeah. on the spot counterattacks in yeah. the virus war. The hospital
1: on wheel. Yeah. Like a
2: computer would,
1: doctor. He
2: would make this big show of showing up to these house calls and like briefcases of fucking That's computer great bullshit. Marketing. It's amazing marketing. That's it's fucking great fantastic.
1: Marketing. He's so smart.
2: Yeah, dude. He is John McAfee's insanely smart. I
1: mean, you got to put on a bit of an event if you want to get noticed, right?
2: Mhm. You do. You you have to that there's power in the spectacle.
1: Oh, damn. That makes me think of Devin Maggi's North Steel thing.
2: Right. But, like, look at how ineffective Devin Maggi's spectacle is. <laughs>
1: right? yeah, not nearly as effective as...
2: Yeah. He doesn't have the confidence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's not totally committed to it. Right.
2: He hasn't committed... Yeah. He... John McAfee's soul was committed to the. Bit. And John McAfee
1: also, he wasn't playing the character; he became the character. Yes. He, that he is the difference. He committed his every
2: ounce of his being yeah. to the character. Right. And yeah, when he was uh, drumming up all that fear about the Michelangelo virus, um, when like sales shot up like a like a motherfucker, he wrote to a he wrote to a, a fellow coder and quote, "My business increased tenfold in the two months following the stories, and six months later, our revenues were fifty times greater, and we had captured the lion's share of the antivirus market."
1: Oh my gosh! We need to get a Winnebago and take this yeah, podcast on the road. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh,
2: in October of nineteen ninety-two, uh, McAfee Antivirus debuted on NASDAQ, became a you know, publicly traded company, and McAfee shares were suddenly worth eighty million dollars. How'd that happen? Because he was a publicly traded company now, and he could All sell right. his fucking shares of it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah.
1: he's just doing that good.
2: Yeah, he just just a straight shot from fucking. Dr- getting drunk all through college, eating acid at work, like 80 million bucks. So just, a little, just a little sparkle. What
1: will he do with the fortune this time? Will he blow it? Will he?
2: He kind of blows it at first. He. Uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's really like a series of ups, like down and then peaks and valleys, my yeah, man. Because he's
2: like, he's pushing, you know, he's like 50 now. Okay. Or or not, he's he's pushing 50. Yeah,
1: what year is it now?
2: This is 92. Okay. So, yeah, he's like 47. Yeah, 47, I think.
1: Yeah. So He's like like
2: mid-40s. This is midlife. Yeah. Right? Uh, The remainder of the 20th century was kind of like midlife crisis. (laughs) John, not knowing what to do with all his money. Mm -hmm. He lived like any other rich tech fuck.
1: So, let's just think about this a moment. How fucking cool is it that he, like... You know he's had his peaks and valleys. He's had these like big successes, yeah. but now is the time in his mid forties that shit's really popping off for him. And like,
2: Yeah, he thinks this. He must think this is this is it,
1: right? Even though it's not. We haven't even so begun yet. Isn't this is like. <laughs> sometimes I have the thought like I'm 26. I've never done anything spectacular in my life. I want to be an artist. I want to like make a living off of being creative. And I just, I almost feel like, well, shit, once you're like 30 or older, it's kind of over for you, right? Who's going (laughs) to want anything to do with you? But like, it's so not fucking true at all. It's not true. Like you can achieve a lot of success, and not be young. I
2: tell you, you can um, do things later. I mean, I'm I'm 31, and uh, as soon as you get to that age, the boundaries start pushing themselves back a bit. Yeah, you know, you just start moving. Up. I still got time. You, have, got- to. <laughs> you, have, you have to, but like, you fucking do, though, too.
1: They do, and it's really important to be mindful of that. And like, this is an example where I just want to call attention to that fact because it's just it's important to remember. Because sometimes yeah. I do like. I think about that, and I'm like, "Oh, is it too late for me to like ever, you know, really achieve something?" But it's not. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I really often felt like that, especially in my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. now I I've been at this point where like I kind of I feel like I'm old enough now to actually be capable with the things yes. I've, I've tried to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I can be like, "Oh, I know how to do that." Right. I you feel know. like
1: I'm developing the tools, and I'm really like feeling more than ever now. Like, okay, later in life's gonna be real good. Hell yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It. it you, while you're alive, you're fucking alive. That's kind it's of that's true. just it. You it's know? true, yeah. And we'll see, like the real crazy shit with John doesn't start till he's retired.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, so yeah, but in the meantime, he he is like doing all the rich guys stuff, buying properties in Hawaii, yeah, fast cars, planes, uh, and he even he
1: sugar babies.
2: He uh, <laughs> 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 he founded a fucking yoga studio. Ah. A huge yoga studio in Colorado. Yoga babies. He makes fucking yoga babies. Those are better Uh. than
1: regular sugar babies. (laughs) (laughs) More flexible.
2: So uh, John wrote four books on yoga and even developed his own yoga style, like yoga philosophy and shit. And uh, I want to read you the title of these fucking... These
1: yoga books? These yoga books.
2: Yeah. So there are these like there are these instructional dvds and vhss
1: i want them i want them too but i, I couldn't get them workout. in time
2: it's yeah. not dude it's it's really mostly i'm talking to you one okay. of them's just a documentary about his yoga style oh narrated by him it's huh. called it's called relational yoga what do you think that refers to
1: man like i think sex but i know it's
2: not it's not it's it's all about how life and existence is is about your there's no identity true. except the one the relation between relationship
1: to the universe yeah and to how the you, situation to other you people yourself? to
2: other agents and the rest of the world yeah. you're nothing without the outside world and shit it's, it's true. like it, it's kind of fucking cool yeah right like and his uh his, his yoga books were all about like the esoteric side of yoga oh my gosh in which he he wrote this one book about the uh the cities which are like the, the sort of superpowers that are alleged, uh, you know, monks are alleged to have or ancient yogis are alleged to have. Once Right, have like been levitation. Doing it for a, like that, yeah. This, like, that's a famous city, right? Yeah. Um, so John wrote, uh, in Beyond the Cities, Supernatural Powers and the Sutras of Patanjali, Patanjali. Patanjali I don't know. I'm sorry.
1: Pat and Jolly. Pat and Jolly.
2: Um, He basically is explaining that these are all metaphors for, you know, it's not actual literal superpowers, but like the practice is just as valid, but it's just, Mm -hmm. it's metaphors for things.
1: Well, I get especially like the idea of, oh, these monks can levitate because when you induce sort of an an OBE, uh, an out-of-body experience, you kind of do feel like your spirit is rising up out of your body, like yeah. your body goes numb and you're sort of like floating yeah, yeah, yeah. up to the air. So you're not literally levitating, but I can very much see like why that would be described as one of the powers you can receive from doing these practices. Right,
2: right, right. And like, and other shit that can be described as. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it kind of seems like John McAfee's like him doing the yoga thing. I have seen a little clip from the VHS. It's fucking John McAfee playing the character of yoga guy. Yeah. His, his, his is hair's he growing out. He's wearing
1: a robe or like. He's
2: wearing one of those fucking flowy shirts. Is it white? No, it's like red and like oh, patterned okay. and kind of like shiny and a little ah. sparkly. It's fucking nice. Okay. It's really nice. Yeah,
1: he's got to be glitzy with it.
2: He, I mean, he, this is definitely when he was like his most. This was when he was dashing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This I was bet the, this was
1: a fun era for yeah. him. Yeah,
2: the yogi. He looks era. really happy, mm-hmm. and he's just like he's loving every second of it. Yeah, I want those tapes so bad. We need to too. get them before I haven't do. done
1: my yogi era yet. But I'm sure. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you know.
2: All right, these are the other books he wrote: uh, "The Secret of the Yamas: A Spiritual Guide to Yoga." Oh boy. Into the Heart of Truth, The Spirit of Relational Yoga.
1: That's the one I really want to read. <laughs> yeah. And I saw that it's available on archive.org, so oh, you sick. know what?
2: <laughs> I checked on Scribd. Uh, there's nothing.
1: Damn. Yeah. Archive.org, get you hooked up. They got yeah. so much stuff there for free.
2: Fuck yeah. The cat approves too.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: and uh, one last one. The Fabric of Self, Meditations on Vanity and Love.
1: Nice. Yeah. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you think, oh, uh, I want to know what goes through what went through John McAfee's head, like him mirror gazing,
2: <laughs> meditating
1: and looking into his own eyes? Like, yeah.
2: Just,
1: you know, have you ever done that? Yeah. 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 It's a fun one.
2: It is a fun one. The shit gets weird.
1: It does. It, yeah, gets, it gets really weird. weird.
2: Because you start, like, especially if you're using, like, a dim ambient light source and shit. You'll see some strange things. Yeah, because, like, you're not seeing—it's like—
1: The Troxler effect is what it's it's
2: called. Word, okay. Yeah, because you're not—you're seeing what you know to be you, Mm -hmm. but it's not clear. So your brain's trying to fill in the pattern of some, like, it.
1: Yeah. weird— Yeah, I've seen my face turn into a lion. Dope. Like, you can see really—you can actively hallucinate completely sober if you just stare into a mirror for a very long time. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Pro tip.
2: No need to blow a whole bag of DMT. Nope. <laughs> or do. Or do. Fuck it. For fun. Right for John. It worked for John. He lived a very full it life did. and he died at an it old did. age like, on his terms. I
1: think that was really the defining moment for how the rest of everything was going to go, mm-hmm. I think. I really do think that there's something it's to It's
2: sort of like he got possessed. Yeah. Yeah. So by the late 2000s, John was nearing retirement age. Word right. It just so happened to coincide with the financial crisis of two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, John got kicked in the fucking teeth during two thousand eight. Ouch. Yeah, he got hit pretty, especially hard because I'm sure he was a he was a risk on type of investor. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's in his sixties, and he he was he started to feel burdened by the weight of all his possessions at the time.
1: Ah. Oh, yes. Okay. So what do you?
2: What not, do you do? Not to mention the burden of the tax implications. Ah. Yes.
1: Just want to run away from it all sometimes. <laughs> it's all so much. It's
2: just all so much. I just want
1: to...
2: I want to go... Wanna st- give it all on, up. ...sit on the beach and drink mojitos. Yes. I'm a retiree.
1: Yes, I'm an old man. I just I'm wanna... a
2: hero of the virus war. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: So that, that's what he fucking did. He sold most everything that he had, his fucking yoga studio, his fucking house in Colorado, his house in Hawaii, his cars, whatever.
1: Yeah, that seems like a move that you do when you have no money left or you're like low on money. You're like, you know what? I'm selling it all. I'm, I, just, I, I guess I got to downsize.
2: I got to go. I got to go. roll with it. I got to go. Yeah. got to go. And go, he went. Uh, he moved his ass to the small, impoverished Central American tropical paradise of Belize.
1: All right, I don't know much about Belize. Belize is
2: uh, Belize is a troubled country. It's Already. quite corrupt, um, very poor, very dangerous.
1: But probably quite cheap to live in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you have like more than the average Belizean, which I'm sure John McAfee did, he was like, oh, I could live like royalty in Belize. He was
2: definitely he was definitely still a millionaire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like.
1: Okay. Yeah. Probably like 1 million
2: to him is chump change. I'm sure it was more than that. I mean, I'm sure he kept making money. He was worth $80 million in 1992. Yeah. And then he had the entirety of the nineties bull market to fucking increase that. Right. I mean? The nineties fucking. Like technology.
1: what I'm right. saying is maybe his definition of like broke is probably very skewed at this point. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: I'm sure he probably didn't even think of himself as broke and he just told everyone he was rich as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, he never, he never really confirmed how much money he ever had. Yeah. Ever.
1: Not super like relevant. No. Yeah.
2: But I mean, actually, I think some things do make a little more sense. Mm-hmm. Like if he got hit really hard in, in the financial crisis and then had all these things that he had tax liability for, like it definitely, he would you know want to I mean? get rid of them. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah. He would
1: want to get rid of your assets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially like any property, any, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Get a couple of fucking margin calls coming into your ass. Mm. Go to Belize. But he he bought his first property in a place called Ambergrist Key on the island of San Pedro. It's a wealthy wow. island town of mostly white expats.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a place that MTV would do like a reality show. Like yep. Laguna Beach, and now Ambergrist Key. Yep. Yeah.
2: But, you know, that's not really... It's not really John's style.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. I feel like he would go there to, like, have a little fun and, like, fuck with people, but not—
2: He was—there was, was definitely—you know, he had the societal pressure being a retired, old, rich dude.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm.
2: it definitely takes more and more to break out of the normal—and he had a girlfriend they moved down there with. Yeah. Um, a woman named Jen, who doesn't figure too very prominently either. She's just there, and then there's a certain point when she leaves, and it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, move over, Jen. Janice is coming in. Not baking. Janice.
2: Janice doesn't show up till Not uh, part for a two. While, yeah, but yeah. there's another, there's a little spitfire In oh. terms
1: of J name girlfriends.
2: Yeah, no, he, he sticks Jen with Jen's second
1: ones. fiddle by far.
2: <laughs> so after a little while on Ambergris Key, John was getting bored. He had heard about some uh, some ancient Mayan ruins up the river and he hired a, a guide to, to take him up there by boat. So the two of them went up there and like, John just like, he Sounds was in. Like-
1: spiritual journey yeah
2: he was enchanted by the ruins and shit he fucking loved it like he fell in love with the jungle you know and then he bought a swath of jungle swamp 10 miles from the ruins 10 miles upriver, like deeper into the jungle uh and began constructing a a bungalow palace a bungalow palace compound i think that's the only way to describe it uh, like he he got a bunch of imported Tibetan art for some fucking reason.
1: You know, you gotta mix up your cultures, I guess. Yeah. Your um. Yeah. A uh, uh,
2: a baby grand piano.
1: A baby one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I but the place had no fucking internet, and like, Who Not to? sure it had electricity at first either. Like, so he just had all this art. Love and like will the, find a way. He would just fucking hang out. He didn't know how to play piano at the time, but he just wanted a piano. And he, he said he would just like hang out at the piano, just like playing simple stuff and listening to the river and shit. And it's the happiest he's ever been. And it's like, oh yeah, hell yeah. Like that sounds awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, while he was down there, he started a bunch of businesses too. I mean, never the fucking capitalist, right? Like he started a cigar company, a water taxi service. Okay. Um, yeah. A bunch of and shit I'm like that. he,
1: Like, he employed people in the area?
2: Yeah. Like, he had partners that were, like, uh, Belizean natives and stuff. All right, word. Yeah.
1: That's, like, not a bad thing.
2: No, not at all. No, right now, he's not doing anything wrong.
1: Yeah, he's bringing, um, like, industry to a place that could use it.
2: He's a cool guy at this point. All right. Around around the town.
1: Cool guy, Chester Cheetah, around the town.
2: Yeah. Uh, In 2010, while at a, a nearby resort for lunch, John met... Uh, Allison Adnesio, a 31-year-old microbiologist doing postgrad research at Harvard.
1: Wait, where was she? Where did they meet?
2: Uh, at a nearby resort. Okay. Yeah. So she was on vacation.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah.
2: She was on vacation and they just happened to start talking at this resort. And mm-hmm. she was telling she told John about how her real passion is using these these jungle plant compounds that appeared to prevent bacteria from causing infections. Uh, by interfering with the way microbes communicated. So like, you know, jungle medicine, plant medicine stuff. like
1: Yeah, yeah. figuring out, yeah, okay.
2: And John McAfee thought so too. And by the end of their conversation, McAfee proposed they commercialize her research. He agreed to build a lab in his jungle compound, uh, and Allison would have carte blanche to take her research wherever she saw fit, complete with assistance, laboratory equipment.
1: That's a hard thing to say no to.
2: Fucking hard thing to say no to. I don't think I would say no to it. And he has a way with words. Mm-hmm. Like he can talk and he got this far by talking. Right. And I think he really believed it, like fighting diseases, viruses, like the invisible enemy, again, using the power of the jungle too. Yes. Like that is his fucking trip, you know?
1: Um. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, but he, he was talking a big game at first though. Like, oh, it's going to save millions of lives. Like all this shit. It's like. Even though if it seems too good to be true, it is every time.
1: I mean, it's going to save millions of lives is a very different statement and belief than it has the potential. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think that's a lot better of a mindset to have when you're like, you know, testing something out, trying to grow it is that it has the potential to, okay. Let's not get, yeah. but he has this impulse to jump to, you know, yeah. like, especially cause it's, it's proven to be true for him in the past that right. this little thing can then lead to like, boom, it explodes the whole global phenomenon. You
2: know, I definitely have that tendency myself. Yeah. Like very much so it's something to actively try to fight. Myself, yeah. but I understand, like, mm-hmm. there's a part of John McAfee I definitely understand.
1: No, me too, yeah. Um, Certainly, like, his manic sort of um, grandiose, because that can be great. That can be a really great thing for a person to have. can give you superpowers. Yes, and it can give you drive. It can give you resilience. Yeah. You know, so that that's great to have. But also, like, he just gets... Very ahead of himself in a way where you know some people might say that he's lying, but I think he's he's telling this because he wants it to be true, you know.
2: Speaking his truth. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean he's not he he's not necessarily stretching the truth or like he's being outlandish, but because he wants it to be true, you know.
2: Yeah, there's he like
1: he's gonna speak it into there's existence. There's a potential.
2: There is a reality in all the possible realities where this is true. Yes, and he's. He's, he's saying, we're going there.
1: He's trying to push towards that reality. Yeah. Whether or not, like, everyone else catches up or we shift to that reality is a different story. Right.
2: And I haven't really talked about him on, on our show yet, but, like, all the times I bring up Jack Parsons, a f- the figure we'll cover uh, later in the future. He was
1: another person just like this.
2: Except he was flexible. Yeah. That was the difference. hmm Like, Parsons was—but he was very much the same. He was a powerful wizard. And yeah,
1: he was someone that envisioned these— crazy things. Like, how could that be true? You would never think that that could be true. And he accepted that that could be true and pushed towards the reality where that was true and made it fucking happen.
2: And Jack Parsons uh, was the founder of Jet Propulsion Laboratories. He invented solid rocket fuel and he was a ritual magician um, and fucking crazy man. But he was also a collaborator. He listened to what his partners and shit did and he knew he had nothing without them. John McAfee's a solitary animal.
1: Yeah. I think he's less... A lot less willing to collaborate.
2: Right. And I mean, a lot
1: less willing to trust other
2: people, too. Jack Parsons is a hero. Yeah. John McAfee is a villain.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, in literary senses.
1: <laughs> yes. You know? and, and the, but they In uh, the book that is our universe. But
2: they're also both just, like, extreme examples of humans.
1: Yeah, yeah. Humans that, like, pushed boundaries. So- And have J names.
2: And have J names, yes. Yes. The power of the J. <laughs> <laughs> So so, McAfee promises Allison the moon, you know, and it's, it's her dream life. It's everything she's ever wanted to do. And she didn't think she'd ever have the chance to do it.
1: Right. So here's this guy that's going to fund her, like.
2: Who has a fucking track record. Yeah. He's a retired millionaire.
1: He's gotten shit done before. He's got
2: viruses before.
1: Yes. Like that's
2: a, that's compelling. And now
1: it's just a different type of virus. Yeah.
2: The whole story makes sense. It's a thing you could believe in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so she, on the spot, decided to completely abandon her life. Uh, She quit her post at Harvard, sold the house in Boston she had just bought, and moved to Belize to live at John McAfee's jungle compound. I think think she actually lived like a mile down the road, but like, you know.
1: If she hadn't, she she might have always regretted it and wondered, like, what would have happened? Yeah. You know? So I think it was just one of those moments where she knew, like, I— I can't say no.
2: Yeah, but it's like in retrospect, you're like you should just say no.
1: Yeah, in because retrospect, she probably it's fucking John lives. McAfee, right? You know. But sometimes, like I don't know, things just have to happen the way that they do.
2: Yeah, but eventually, John got bored again.
1: Oh. <laughs> Okay, he had to level up again. The pace
2: uh, the pace of Allison's research was too slow for John.
1: Jesus, this stuff takes years right. to develop. It's a very long
2: process. In one of his super asshole moves, he uh, talking shit about her later on, he says that she was just interested in partying all the time and stuff. And it's like, dude, she's 31 years old. She's a fucking
1: He partied all the time?
2: Re- yeah. Yeah, like dude, she's she was a postgrad research assistant at fucking Harvard. Like, she probably, there's no way she cared about partying in Belize with your bodyguards more than she cared about the research. I don't also, fucking believe that.
1: here's the thing. So, she's a post-grad student, right? She's 31. She's still post-grad doing the research. researcher,
2: so she's, like, employed by Harvard.
1: Okay. So, like, she basically hasn't stopped being an academic since kindergarten, probably. Yeah, also true. Yeah, she's, like, been in fucking school since she was a six-year-old. If she wanted to party a little bit as a 30-year-old and right. she's finally done with school and she has a chance to, like, whatever, man. Man. Yeah. You know, like, I it's don't know. A, it's also like. It's a silly thing for him to say.
2: <laughs> right. But I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's more to the, like, why he was trying to besmirch her character too at the time. Yeah. Right? But it's also like, she wasn't in fucking Manhattan. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, what is there? <laughs> not very, not terribly fun parties.
2: Where, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some terror. I'm sure there's some awesome parties, but like, it's probably the same thing over and over again. Cause there's like 12 people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, more than 12. I'm using hyperbole to
1: make a
0: point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. You know, the research would, would keep, con- would continue. Chan um, started, this is a weird thing. I don't even know how to make sense of it. So he got known at this time for um, being the bath salt guy. Remember bath salts? The drug? Oh, I do. Yeah.
1: I do. I've watched a lot of Intervention and the bath salts episodes. Oh, it's chef's kiss. Mwah. Hell yeah. Like those are the most entertaining
2: ones. Hell yeah. So this, um the the thing about bath salts, right, is, okay, when back when, when I was in high school and people were just buying salvia at the local head shop, it had to be sold as incense. Yeah. That was the way you got around the laws, yep. right? So these drugs that are known as bath salts, it's not because someone just decided to get high on the bath salts they had.
1: No, it's what they were labeled as like in smoke shops and head shops.
2: Exactly. How to get around the laws by yep. saying these are for baths. Like under no circumstances should you eat this.
1: Yeah. But it was- it's Like poppers uh, too. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's- um. But yeah, they're like stimulants and shit. The reason bath salts make people go crazy is because they're stimulants and they keep you up for fucking days and make you not yeah, sleep. Yeah,
1: they pretty much just like, hey, do you want to experience psychosis? Mm-hmm. Here you go. i
2: pretty sure that happens just because of the lack of sleep though. Because people just yeah. go for a fucking week without sleep and then go crazy because no matter how you get to a week without sleep, you're going to go fucking crazy. No
1: matter what, yeah. yeah.
2: But yeah, so he, he got known for being the bath salt guy because he, by some accounts, was selling bath salts online. Uh, on the darknet, by his account and other accounts, what he was doing was posting drug recipes on bluelight.org. dot org. Yeah,
1: um, we have been there.
2: Yeah, I've, I've,
1: yeah,
2: I've done the reading. Yeah, years ago. Swim
1: has been there.
2: <laughs> Swim. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, good, <laughs> fucking yeah. put. So he he began posting these recipes for a chemical called MDPV, a a, a bath salt. The way John describes it is, it's this fucking. M- mythic sort of chemical. I'm actually going to let him explain. Oh, good. This one. This is from an interview in 2013 after after Belize. Okay. I, I kind of want you to just like see what he looks like after Belize too. <laughs> like the because this is his swarthiest.
0: Mm-hmm. What I did is I created. Okay, there there was this drive if, if, on blue light. You remember? You remember MDPV ten? Yes. Sure, the mythical drug that did everything. It made you a sexual god, it made you live forever, it gave you energy that you could go for 50 weeks without sleeping, and you gained weight. And it was just marvelous stuff, uh, but it was, it was fake. It was just a, a ruse created by a couple of British gentlemen, um, but no one really believed that it was a ruse, and, and for years, and this was about 12 years ago that this mythical drug rose, rose up. So I went online, and as a, uh, as a member called Stuffmonger, I didn't give my name, uh, I gave the formula for recreating MDPV ten and invited everybody to recreate it themselves. And for three months, these these highly intelligent people were were, were dicking around with with stove ovens and baking soda and kitchen utensils, doing absolutely nothing. And I, I just had the laugh of my life.
2: I don't know what to make of this because by other accounts, it, like did he I'm pretty sure that's fake
1: a recipe for
2: it? I'm pretty sure it's a real drug. Maybe yeah. MDPV-10 isn't or whatever, but MDPV is.
1: I don't know. know. I, like, like, it sounds like he's describing meth, but then meth doesn't make you, like, gain weight.
2: No, he's, he's describing it a uh, bath salt, MDPV, which is yeah. a real drug. That's okay. a real drug. But he's saying like, MDPV-10, this mythical, that's not real. It's like— It's mythical, and he posted the recipe for it. And trying to—it was just a prank, bro.
1: Yeah, well, he's—yeah, because he says, oh, and it made me laugh. These people are trying to—
2: But it's well. a real drug, yeah, it's not a fake drug. So th-
1: well, he's trolling then.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. trolling them right here too. Right, That's the entire he's trolling like, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I <laughs> wanted to showcase that like and like why it's really hard to parse out exactly what the fuck's going on in the compound. Mm-hmm. You know, he claimed in the postings that he had produced over fifty pounds of M- MDPV and distributed exclusively in Belize. Yet this was clearly a lie. No one else at the compound ever saw MDPV being produced. Ever, yeah. he wasn't making anything. Even in his, he wasn't making drugs in his lab.
1: Huh. This is weird. Yes. This is like something that where I this is where it goes. I'm weird. like taking a pause to try and gather my thoughts, but like there's there's no use doing that because I just I I'm confounded. <laughs> What's weird about it is that yes, it's a real drug, and I'm sure there is some sort of recipe to make it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like he knows it. Um, maybe he does, but that's not the one that he posted. He purposely posted something fake in order to lead people down the wrong path for his own entertainment.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, another thing could be, and I'm not- And also
1: to make people know, hey, don't, don't trust these schmucks on the internet.
2: And I'm, I'm not, this is a, this is a what if, and I also don't fault anyone for cooking up drug recipes. I think that's probably a pretty cool way to spend your time. But like, what if one of the side, the the side hustles they were running out, the lab was figuring out designer drug recipes and like mm-hmm. the people who who spoke about it afterwards didn't want to fucking incriminate themselves. What if they weren't selling drugs because no drugs were ever found there? What if they were like selling recipes or something? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's entirely pure speculation out of my ass. But like, I don't know. There's all there's all sorts of w- weird stuff about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the drug that made him like super fucking horny, right?
2: Um. Or is that a different one? This would be this would be the one if the, if it was real, if he okay. was actually producing it, but like, never found. All right. And he the lab did get fucking raided. The whole place got raided. Everything he's ever owned in Belize got fucking raided to shit.
1: He's clever, though.
2: He's very clever. Uh, he did have this, this fun quote. He said, uh, if I'm going to do drugs, I'm going to do something that I know is good. I'm going to grab some mushrooms, number one, and maybe get some really fine cocaine. Mm-hmm. But anyone who knows me knows I would never do drugs, he says. Ah. Yes. He does say multiple times in multiple different interviews that his favorite drug, when he, when he was doing drugs, was far and away mushrooms. Yep. They do everything. Like, And it seems like that. He has that mushroom fucking jokester thing to him. Yeah. It's a particular thing.
1: It, it seems like he really wants it to be ambiguous whether or not he is partaking in drugs. He's making it purposely confusing.
2: He's pulling attention and curiosity. Yeah. Yep. And we're still feeding into it after his death because he did such a good, compelling job at it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we're... Hopefully, gonna benefit from the (laughs) enormity of his energy. Yes, we're you know siphoning some of it off. Yes, yeah.
2: One hand washes the other, John. One hand washes the other. (laughs) (laughs) So, he started spending more time down at a a local bar and brothel called Lovers. He was a retired white man in Belize, after all. Uh, His his girlfriend Jennifer Irwin was, uh, by the way, still living in Ambergris uh, Key. Okay, She's, she's still here.
1: Yeah, she's chilling.
2: John Mosley isn't. He's either at the compound or the brothel.
1: Yeah, she's taken care of, I'm sure. Yeah. Her and her family, probably.
2: I'm sure she's just hanging out on the beach, sipping mojitos. Okay. Having fun. Maybe banging the pool I'll boy. Like, I although I know. fucking
1: hate the beach, so it's not the life that I'd like, but I'm sure she left it.
2: Yeah, I'm more of a jungle guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so it, it's a, he, he has these like emails that he sent to his friends from this brothel. That just have some of the most perfect like
1: what do what do you do when sending an email at the brothel?
2: Maybe he wasn't at the brothel, but okay. it was describing his time. Like, That's
1: funny. I like to imagine there's just like there's a computer there, like it's in a room and it's by itself. It's just a computer yeah, on yeah. a desk and a chair. And they lead you to it like after you're done, and they're like, please feel free to leave a review and like send an email, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is the one place that has Wi-Fi within uh, twenty kilometers. Or so
2: I just see this scene of two thousand ten. It's daytime, right? Yes, it's daytime. the The paint is all dark in there, except for like maybe I'm thinking like the columns are painted and the arches are painted blue. Yeah, yeah. Right, and there's light coming in through the wind, like through the cracks in the in the curtains and stuff. So it's sort of dimly illuminated, and like you can yes. see like the dust in the, and and. You know, there's a woman dancing on stage and there's like five people and they're at the bar or whatever. And in the corner is John McAfee in a Panama hat sending an email. Yeah. And that's like, okay. that's a place and time. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I bet
1: he had a PDA.
2: A PDA? A personal oh, digital fuck. assistant. Yeah, of course he did. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. he
1: totally mm-hmm. did. And I bet it like had porn on it too, like all totally. super like pixelated yeah. and shit. He was like totally jacking it to people. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, So one of these, he described um, the music at this brothel called Lovers as, end quote, shatteringly bad Mexican karaoke music to which voices beyond description add a disharmony that reaches diabolic proportions.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) What could make you hornier?
2: Seriously. In another uh, update to friends, he writes, um, my fragile connection with the world of polite society has, without a doubt, been severed. My attire yes. would rank me among the worst-dressed Tijuana panhandlers. My hygiene is no better. Yesterday, for the first time, I urinated in public in broad daylight. I love it. He's, he's not drinking right at this point either. I, you know,
1: just lean into it. Why not be fucking filthy for some time? Just, like, try it out for a week just because.
2: Yeah, see what it, just, try it, on. See like, what it feels like. Just, like, let yourself
1: be really fucking trashy, and you might love it.
2: And I think John loved it.
1: There's value to, like, you know, being a— Bit of a, you
2: know. Yeah. Yeah. Being a bit of a trash man.
1: Indeed. Yeah. It can be fun be a to, bit to of be a garbage super monster, trashy, like you know.
2: <laughs> Fuck yeah! Well, yeah. It was at lovers that John found the CD uh, underbelly he had been searching for, the uh, the heart of darkness, so to speak. Yes. Uh, this heart of darkness wore aviators and carried a handgun. Her name was Amy M Schiller, and she was sixteen years old. Oh no! Yeah. Amy. Amy. She Amy white? M Schiller. No. Okay. No, she was uh, She was from Belize. Okay. Yeah. She told McAfee that she had been abused as a child and forced into prostitution. McAfee says he felt as though she were the female version of him.
1: Oh, no. Despite... He's going to save know. her. He's going to save her and fuck her.
2: Here's what Amy said. and quote. I know how to control men. I told him my story because I wanted him to feel sorry for me, and it worked.
1: Do you think she was really 16? Or do you think she, she was... She
2: was 16. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, maybe she was lying, but I am like every single source. Uh, She was like 16 going on 17. All right. Um,
1: I feel like if you're trying to con creepy older men, something that you could do, and this is another pro tip that I will give our listeners.
2: Do you really want to give these tips?
1: Pretend to be underage.
2: Oh, oh! You're giving you you're giving the girls tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then, then you
1: away. won't feel you know. First of all, terribly bad about scamming them. Right. And secondly, because you know they're a fucking creep. Yep. And like, yeah, that's how you're gonna like draw in um creepy men that you don't feel bad about scamming. Just lie about being underage. You'll find your your target. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> your a good part Victims tip. really quick.
2: Yeah. Uh. But yeah. No. She uh. She continues. Okay. But
1: you don't think she was lying.
2: No, I don't, I don't think so. All right. No. And like consider. Like, age of consent laws and so you know, fucking weird. Yeah, It's dude. I mean, Brazil, is, uh, I said, Brazil, Dude, it's not Brazil's police. Um, yeah. I mean, they were a government that was entirely correct. Like that's not like there's,
1: yeah, there's a, I, yeah,
2: there's a shell of a state there, you know, they like, yeah. they have police um, and I'm talking shit, but,
1: like legally, like, whatever, right. but just like ethically, like, Oh, ethically,
2: it's completely <laughs> fucked. But it's,
1: what do we expect from John McAfee? Right. So like, there you have it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. No, He doesn't give a shit right. and he freely admits this freely mm-hmm. he does not care about no, yeah, no, at all
1: and like why should he he's probably done like way worse right i mean whatever in the right. grand scheme not to <laughs> not to downplay
2: no it's like i mean it seems like it was all well let, let's finish talking about this yeah, Go yeah, on. yeah so her, her to continue her quote i wanted him to feel sorry for me and it worked a millionaire in freaking belize where people work all day just to make a dime who wouldn't want to rob him
1: <laughs> yeah, duh.
2: Yeah. So within a month after after meeting, uh, they were sleeping together, and McAfee built Amy a bungalow on his compound. McAfee soon realized Amy was also unstable and dangerous. And I only- mean,
1: what the fuck? What gave you the the inkling, John?
2: Well, that only Come made on him now. like her more. Yeah. He, uh...
1: Ain't that how it goes? He
2: fell head over heels in love with her.
1: So you got it. Oh, my God. Toxic people are like magnets sometimes. Yeah, they are. Where it's just like, oh, it's so hot how fucking
2: crazy you are. Yeah. He, uh. uh, Gotta
1: avoid it like the plague,
2: though. His girlfriend, Jennifer Irwin, who is still living in Ambergris Key, she went to the compound once and met Amy and told John to uh, get her out of there. And John said, um, nah.
1: No, her pussy's too tight.
2: Sorry. Yeah, and uh, so then Jennifer left to police.
1: All right, yeah. out with John. I mean, police. yeah. What else is she to do? She's like, okay, I can't compete.
2: Yeah, he seems like he regrets that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, w- I mean, I would hope so because <laughs> kind
2: of for right? like a lot of fucking. Well, yeah. a little bit more than a scam. So one night, uh, Amy decided to carry out her plan of um, murdering John and stealing all of his shit. She. Uh, so
1: that was her plan all along. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she was like, whatever, like, I'll throw this, and he wasn't, like, you know, terribly bad looking either. He's, like, no. quite swarthy. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, I'll I'll throw him some pussy, and at the end of the day, I'll walk away with uh, millions. Yeah. So, you know.
2: Solid. No, her plan was actually to shoot him in the fucking head and steal his shit. She okay. was literally dangerous and unstable. All right. Amy's fucking nuts.
1: I mean, yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, in this instance, he had it coming.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He fucked up.
1: But then she fucked it up.
2: She gets she, she does fine in this story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah she I guess does I don't fine. know what happened. Yeah, so she...
1: Uh, He's not dead, so...
2: Well, he is now, but that was him.
1: <laughs> He's not dead from her shooting him.
2: Right. Well, no, so she snuck out of bed, grabbed her Smith & Wesson. She, John's sleeping. She aims the fucking gun at his head. And she, like, blinks as she closes the trigger and her shot goes wide. And it hits, it hits the fucking bed frame right next to his goddamn left ear. She says, uh... I guess I didn't really want to kill the bastard. So, how would you react if that happened? You're woken up by a gunshot. I
1: might go back to bed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Like, basically, I'm not what happens?
1: With that. Like,
2: uh, John leapt out of bed and grabbed the gun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Grabbed the gun and Amy now terrified that she missed and like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like you you should be. Usually, you die
1: in that yes. situation.
2: Because the guy who just tried to shoot has the gun.
1: Yeah. No, he probably thought it was sexy. He was like, "Oh my god, you little rascal, come here."
2: Basically, he she <laughs> ran into the she <laughs> fucking basically she ran into the bathroom and she, she like asked if if John was going to kill her and he's fucking no, I, naked. No, I'm going
1: to punish you. Yeah. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sick. Yeah.
1: It's so sick. He's
2: fucking naked. He's disoriented. He's now permanently deaf in his left ear. He never gets his hearing back in his left ear. Yeah, it's gone because okay. oh, gunshot wound, and uh, he, he, threatens, he he threatened he threatened to t- take away the phone and TV he had furnished her bungalow with.
1: Oh no, not the phone and the TV! Oh,
2: apparently bad she girl. Apparently she got pissed at that and said, "But I didn't even kill you."
1: Oh my god! Yeah, this is like <laughs> wow. That okay? And I thought I've had some bad relationships.
2: This isn't even the worst of how John gets fucking. Wow. Just wrapped around this 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 uh, lady's finger.
1: Wow, Amy. Yeah. Amy, you absolute queen.
2: Amy's a fucking, Amy's a demon in her own right. Yeah. For sure. After this incident, John decided that maybe Amy should have her own place about a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are also six other of John's girlfriends that are from time to time living at the place. They, Why not? It's a rotating yeah. cast, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, yeah.
2: Two others also tried to kill him. Yeah More subtle ways Amy tried to kill him twice Okay She tried to slit his throat later So
1: You know Fucking and and dying And murdering Aren't Aren't too far off From each other I've always thought like
2: Do not I'm cutting that From the podcast I'm literally cutting that. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not letting that go through.
1: I think that there is something like very erotic about murder, though. You can keep that in because okay. I like, I think that that's true.
2: Like, I mean, not for everybody, like, it's not inherently erotic. Oh, no.
1: Like, obviously. No. Some,
2: like, some people get off on it, but like, if those wires get crossed, You're fucked for life. Those
1: wires do get crossed. Those wires get crossed for many people. And I think when it comes to like intense love, that line between like um, love and hate can be so very thin.
0: Yeah.
1: Especially like it can turn into an obsession that becomes very unhealthy very quickly. And I think that also a lot of his, his relationships with these women were probably largely super fueled by um, hedonism and also
0: oh. transaction. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> like you, you give me that, that sweet pussy. I give you place to live.
2: Yeah. A place to live and money and fucking. Right. You don't have to worry about so shit. So
1: when you have that, it's like, there's a very thin and not very strong foundation for what you, what you give and take from each other. Yeah. So like.
2: It's not love. That's for goddamn sure.
1: No, it's not, but there is, there's something lustful about it. There's something like very erotic about that dynamic of like them taking advantage of one another and like knowing that that's, they both know that that's what they're doing, but also you enjoy it. I
2: like, don't get it. I kind of do. I definitely I, don't. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't. I definitely don't. I like, I know what you're saying for sure. Yeah. Like, but, like I don't seek yeah. it
1: out. I don't want it, but I get it. I get like what he was, what they were both parties wanted from their
2: relationships. Yeah. I, I, And
1: also why, you know, because he clearly, he kept choosing people that were going to fucking try to murder him.
2: Until Janice, but we're not going to meet her yet.
1: Yeah. So in a way, I think he kind of liked it.
2: He loved it. Yeah, Are you getting me? He fucking loved it. Precisely.
1: (laughs) So in a way, I do
2: get that. Yeah, I get that he loved that. For Mm. sure. I just don't know what that feels like. (laughs) That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so he fucking moved Amy about a mile away to... The small village of Carmelita.
1: It's a cute name. It
2: is. And this is the town that John would uh, essentially colonize. Okay. Yeah, because... Quite a a feat for one man. It really is. Although
1: he is one white man with lots of money. And we've
2: already established the magnet of insanity between him and and Amy very quickly. Mm -hmm. It very quickly becomes something bizarre.
1: Yes, Amy hasn't left yet.
2: She's no, he near. just bought her another bungalow.
1: Yeah, just a little further away.
2: Mile away in Carmelita. So shortly thereafter, Amy, uh, Amy tells John, she starts telling John the story about how the sleepy, impoverished village of Carmelita wasn't what it seemed. She told him that it was, a, it was a hub of drug trafficking to the Mexican border 35 miles north that all sorts of evil bastards, murderers, rapists lived there. Right? It's like, yeah, it seems nice on the outside, but like, it's just, there's all these murders that never get reported, torture, mm-hmm. all this shit, right? Um, John says, I fell in love with the river, but then I discovered the horrors of Carmelita. Oh my God. <laughs> so,
1: uh, he has to go and be the savior again, doesn't he? He hasn't uh, been the savior in too long.
2: Asking Amy what he should do about it, he says, she wanted me to shoot all the men in the town. So it is.
1: I love Amy, by the way. Can I just say <laughs> that? Like, what? Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah.
2: Actually, let's play a clip of John uh, talking talk about Amy, and then and we'll actually hear a little bit of Amy herself. Okay. Great. Yeah. So he is like answering like a, doing like frequently asked questions, and one of them is, uh, did you did you really live with uh, seven women in Belize? And he's in the middle of answering that. Oh, of
1: course that. he did. So like basically a rhetorical
2: question at this point. Or maybe the question is like, what was it like? Okay. I mean, you know.
0: The absentees usually were absent because they were plotting with outsiders to rob me, murder me, torture me, or all three. I I could never decide whether I preferred the constant plotting or or the constant bickering. Uh, Life is an imperfect affair at best. But in any case, these are seven women. From left, Amy 2, Amy 1, Marcia, Angie, Tamisha, Zyra and dear Samantha dear Another Samantha. common question is Did these women really try to kill me? Well, not all of them, of course In fact, fewer than 50% tried to kill me <laughs> uh, Although the, the few that did, try did Seemed downright proud of it I was angry, whatever, and I That's Amy I was ready to shoot him And for some reason I missed
2: You tried to shoot him? Uh-huh Yes
0: I also tried to cut his throat But he just said He just leaned against the wall and said, do it. I'm still deaf in my left ear from a gunshot fired at close range when Amy tried to shoot me in the head.
1: Oh, my God. I love Amy so much. I know. Yes. Like, yeah, what? You don't believe me? I fucking. And then she
2: was just like, she was like, he he, he just stood there and said, do it. She has that twinkle in her eye. She fucking loved it. Yeah. Swarthy man. Because I bet
1: they, they had, like, some of the best sex of their life, right, following that the whole thing. Probably. You know? As soon as he was like, do it, she was like, oh.
2: Fucking probably. Yeah.
1: That's exactly what it is because th- these relationships thrived on chaos.
2: I can't wait for you to meet Janice. Yeah. The more I think as we're telling the it story, was the, the more I'm realizing like how needed, fucking, oh, goddammit, Janice. Holy shit.
1: For, for him, she, was, she is. Was.
2: Oh, God damn it. Everyone needs a Janice. Yeah. You haven't even met her yet. You'll know. You'll understand. Um, <laughs>
1: Everybody needs a Janice.
2: <laughs> so after Amy told John that he should go shoot all the men in, in this town, that's totally definitely a drug trafficking hub and not the sleepy town it totally looks like.
1: Mm-hmm. I just um, swallowed a green bean without chewing it.
2: Nice. Nice. John okay. McAfee would be proud of you. Yes. <laughs> I'm
1: proud. I didn't want to make any crunching on the microphone, <laughs> so I compromised. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fucking maniac. <laughs> so after, after Amy asked, asked him that, John is now suspicious that Amy might be using him to do her dirty work.
1: No kidding. Yeah, how about that? Who does she want to kill in Carmelita? Apparently, everyone. Okay, the whole <laughs> town. Fuck, Amy's a fuck. She's
2: end out quote. There. She wanted me to shoot all the men in the town.
1: She is out there, yeah. and I am all for
2: it. So, so uh, now suspicious of this. John went to uh, to the brothel to gather information. This is also where he met Amy. Mm-hmm. And everything. He's not suspicious that he might be being spun a yarn by any other people and.
1: Yeah, right. What if the whole brothel's in on it?
2: He's definitely on drugs, dude. He yeah. was not sober. There's no way. Yeah. What they told him the story. They told him that th- he heard stories about murders, torture, gang wars, all sorts of things. And now John had a new mission, a new fantasy, a new heroic fucking myth to enable.
1: He's going to go save the town of Carmelita?
2: Yeah, he was the man who defeated computer viruses. He was he was building a fucking world-saving rainforest pharmaceutical lab, and now he was going to fucking save this town. So the first thing he did. Yes. He built a uh, concrete jail in the town.
1: Um <laughs> Okay. Like okay.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, man, just like leave the town alone.
2: No, this is this is villain. This is John's villain.
1: Yeah, this is when he's really This he's- is the
2: fall from grace.
1: Yeah, and why is he doing this for Amy anyway?
2: I like, don't know. The, she like tried she, to kill him twice.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <sighs> he told they just a, get
1: off on like wanting to murder each other, and he like, told Jennifer her, to
2: go screw because yeah. of Amy.
1: She she must have been doing something real special. I
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh
1: yeah. I okay. She,
2: <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is, in, in that movie Gringo, about 10 or 12 people, including Amy and the other women who live with him, have come forward. Come forward's a weird way to put it because it's definitely through John's associates after he left Belize. Yeah. I'm sure he paid them, Whether which whichever one's true or, or not. I'm sure they got paid I'm from sure, both parties. Yes.
1: That's what, yeah. yeah I was going to say I'm that. I'm sure
2: both people paid them.
1: Right. They'll yeah. say whatever. Just give me a paycheck.
2: So don't know what's true. Yep. Because John's also a liar. And also the director of the documentary.
1: And yeah, who can got, trust fucking showtime?
2: Well, yeah, the director got in hot water for a for a similar uh it wasn't like super hot water, but like there was like a hey, you scripted this. This is supposed to be a documentary. Or like mm-hmm. this is like it wasn't like a big scandal, but there was like oh right, so, yeah, yeah. You know. So who the fuck knows? Uh but what you can fucking check is like when someone says, Oh, I was paid to say this or whatever. Right. You look at the things they don't try to yeah. not talk about, right? Right. One of those things. And this is kind of the famous thing that everybody remembers from Gringo.
1: Um, Wait a second. Guess what, people? This is what you must understand. There are excellent (laughs) benefits in eating poop. Oh, my God. I wonder how many times I'll be able to reuse this clip in different episodes because it it applies.
2: Apparently. I've never seen
1: Gringo but this is like one of the things that I know mm-hmm. as someone that didn't know much about John McAfee. Yes,
2: this is one of the <laughs> ones know that about made the, the round. Yep. According to the women, he would have them lay in uh, hammocks with holes cut out above him and shit in his mouth.
1: Sexy. Yeah. A sexy and poopy.
2: They talked about this at length in Gringo, and then
1: as well. They should. Like that's not yeah. something that you can breeze past. Oh, that puts like, asses in seats. Yeah.
2: That's why I mentioned it.
1: Yes. I, that's why that's we have we that all, clip. That's what we all want to know.
2: We all want to hear about <laughs> shitty. <laughs>
1: you know, like, tell me about it. Did he make you, like, do a special diet first? Did he have a preference? Never mind. We don't need to do this. I don't know. Okay. We don't need to speculate.
2: <laughs> we don't need to speculate on this.
1: On this. I, I actually really do want to know. Here, okay. <laughs> like, on the spectrum of poop eaters... Cause okay. I, you know, you have We're your, about a few. You, you have your coprophiliacs, you know, you got people that are into a poopy. They like to maybe like play with it, touch it. But how many of them actually eat it? I don't know. I feel like
2: small slice of the pie.
1: Yeah. Small slice of the pie probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> actually eat the poopy. Yeah. And if you do like, what is it about it that you, cause from a, a hammock hole, right? What is the distance between his <laughs> mouth and the hole?
2: It's a good question.
1: Right. So <laughs> um, I feel like the texture of the
2: show it really
1: plays into uh, like what did he like it messy? Temperature two. Did he want a loaf? <laughs> <laughs> or did he want like a gush? Did he want a
0: waterfall?
2: Oh my god. I don't know. Oh.
1: I just wanna did he wanna be able to take a bite out of it or did <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm so sorry. I'm just... I want to know. We'll never know. Unless Congratulations
2: to everyone that's still listening. You <laughs> I, just caused a traffic <laughs> jam from... <a> pile <laughs> up from people s- slitting on the puke that just came out of <laughs> <laughs> the windows of I-95.
1: I'm, I'm just curious, man. Like... An odd fetish. I want to you know. You all
2: why. are. We just don't fucking talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's why we're here, though. I'm. That That is. It's the nitty gritty. It is
2: why we're here. We'll go to places no one else will. Indeed. That's, that's journalism.
1: I know. Uh, like Showtime, why didn't you ask these questions?
2: They spent a while on that topic, oh, honestly. I need to go see it. Yeah, yeah. I need to see and it. And when the women were like saying, oh, we were paid to say this, we are paid to say that. They just never talked about the shit hammocks.
1: Meaning it probably was true. And I don't yeah, doubt it. Yeah, legitimately Yeah, he true. seemed like yeah. pretty depraved.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that happened.
1: hmm
2: Excellent benefits. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, less fun than uh, shit-eating, he built a concrete jail. Okay. And he began buying weapons to arm the national police, the Belizean police. And he started paying them, like paying the cops like, the national cops, the federal forces, while, they, like, to to specifically patrol this town. Okay. Like, when they were off duty or, like, and, and on, yeah. He must
1: have been paying them handsomely for them to agree to do that.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh,
1: and patrol against what, exactly? Like, what?
2: The fucking windmills, dude. He's Don Quixote with these fucking drug dealers and traffickers and shit. And it's like, they weren't there.
1: Yeah. Like
2: There was one guy with a lab there.
1: It's an odd thing for a sober person to be paranoid about
2: now. Quite an odd thing. Yeah. However, he did have a lab there. Mm -hmm. There was a man with a fucking clandestine jungle lab in a compound with a bunch of armed ex-felon guards. That was John McAfee. Yeah. Right? And now he's stopping cars. Like, he started personally stopping cars in the town.
1: He's putting himself in more danger by doing this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: like there wasn't an issue, and now he's manufacturing like an issue.
2: Yeah, and now people are starting to take notice of him. Yes. Right? Like <laughs> speaking to uh, Joshua Davies, the, the, the village leaders said it was insane. <laughs> you know, the, the, the is old from village.
1: This um, the Wired article? This
2: is from the Wired article, okay. yeah. They had like the, the village leaders told him that like, yeah, they— they had some drugs there from time to time. They had fights. There had been a couple murders in the town's history. Yeah. Like a mm-hmm. lot of towns down here. Right. Like
1: Yeah. If you've been around like, long
2: enough. Like anywhere certainly. else. Like any other fucking town. Yeah. Uh, poor town. Right. But it wasn't some. They
1: are probably like, thanks, but no thanks. We don't need your assistance. Thank you.
2: Right. Well, they thought it was just, they had this fucking John Wayne dude coming in. Literally stopped. He stopped a car. It turned out to be like an old lady. And you know, like daughter or some shit. Like at gunpoint. Right.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. She was drug running, though. You know she had some crazy stuff up her butt. Yeah. Never trust
2: these old ladies. No, I mean, they they have nothing to lose.
1: <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they're the best people to do the job, too.
2: Yeah. The government, for their part, began to get suspicious at this point. Yep. This is when the suspicion starts. It's
1: pretty suspicious behavior.
2: Yeah. They they started to suspect, um perhaps... John McAfee was the one making drugs.
1: Yeah, perhaps he had something to hide. But but that, so uh,
2: that big fucking lab that's always doing stuff? The uh, 10 ex-felons? Like ex-prisoner fucking ex-cons? That's the word. Yeah. Or whatever. They'd done murders in the past. Now they had big guns mm. and they were guarding the compound of where the lab was, Pretty where the suspicious. crazy millionaire, fre- like, it's the most suspicious thing you could ever yeah, do.
1: calling a lot of attention to yourself there, Mr. McAfee.
2: Yeah. Um, and Allison was still there, but this new wave of bad craziness was starting to freak the fuck yeah,
1: out. Yeah, she was probably like, this is a bit too much for me.
2: Yeah. So McAfee was getting paranoid. Yeah. Yep. Too. He was worried about corporate espionage too. Mm-hmm. He had seen white men in suits standing beh- beside their cars on the heavily trafficked toll bridge near his property, and was sure they were spies. This is oh from the uh, Wired article. God. He says, uh, "Do you realize that Glaxo Bear, every single drug company in the world, sent people out there? I was working on a project that had some paradigm shifting impact on the drug world. It would be insanity to talk about it." When Amy M. Schiller visited, she says she never noticed anybody in white suits, like any corporate espionage or anything. White but, suits
1: is an interesting or, choice, too.
2: Or white men in suits, not white suits. Oh, okay. Suits. Yeah. I was going to say... White suits what, are an interesting choice. Yeah, that They're would be a very... You know, you got the seen. men
1: in black, now you got your men in white. What the fuck? Never heard of There's them. There's the stories
2: about the men in tan down in South America.
1: Oh, I don't... That's the worst of all. I know. That's a very odd choice for a suit there color. Um,
2: but she... Uh, apparently, McAfee says that on one occasion, Amy M. Schiller recorded um, a village councilman Talking about how to maybe get rid of McAfee with a grenade. Uh, Big, if true.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, grenade. Wow. Interesting choice of weaponry there.
2: Also seems like something one of Amy's friends might have said into a microphone.
1: Yeah. It's, or like that's put on a, a really voice, crazy right? crazy claim.
2: Yeah. with the, I mean, with a grenade. I mean, you wouldn't be able, like... A grenade causes a lot of chaos. So you can easily obscure what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... You can hide in the spectacle that it creates. Uh Uh-huh. Much like McAfee himself.
1: Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) If you make the the truth elusive, then, you know, you can do whatever you want.
2: Yeah. And for this, uh, McAfee was uh, wowed by her street smarts. Uh Uh-huh. He said, she's brilliant beyond description. And he relished the fact that she had come full circle and was now defending him. Who, Amy? Yeah. 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 Maybe the village was actually trying to kill him. Maybe it was. Maybe it is, as he says. And it was like...
1: I mean, fuck. I mean... they should be. Like yeah, get the fuck yeah, out. What yeah, are you doing, buddy?
2: Like, can we just get rid of this guy?
1: Like I'm scaring want the children. As well. He's scaring the children. You know, he's trying to tell us how to fucking do everything. Like, you don't live here. We he don't know. Hold over you. my
2: grandma at gunpoint.
1: Yeah. Like, fuck
2: this dude. Who fuck are you? this fucking gringo.
1: Honestly though. Right?
2: I don't actually I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have to be in a league with drug traffickers to want to kill him.
1: <laughs> no, he's probably just like, Why are you telling us what to do? You're not even from here. Like, go everyone
2: away. that's tried to kill him so far? I also sympathize with. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand where they're coming from. -hmm. But
1: I also like, I don't know. Yeah, I see it from both sides. I really do.
2: It's just a story full of sympathetic characters, really, at the end of the day. (laughs) I I understand.
1: It just highlights a bunch (laughs) of craziness. Yeah.
2: So, but with all this, Alison Adonisio had had enough. She went to talk to McAfee in his bungalow. She says she noticed garbage bags filled with cash and uh, blister packs of pharmaceuticals, like Viagra. She uh, lived just outside of Carmelita. She had never had any problems with anything. She says that if there was any danger, uh, she thought that it was coming from McAfee himself. Uh-huh. Right? Like, she lived right outside the town.
1: So she didn't see what he saw she was, in Carmelita.
2: She had just bought a house in Boston before moving there. Mm-hmm. She was a postgrad researcher at Harvard. She wasn't a psychotic, possessed by the spirit of DMT, computer programmer, at the end of his life, nothing right. to lose.
1: So she probably right? had pretty good judgment as to like whether or not this town had, you know, she thought it was fine. Yeah, she
2: thought it was fine,
1: and it, maybe it wasn't. But on the surface, like there was, it wasn't that dangerous. The, yeah, nothing right? to like, cause alarm. Yeah,
2: yeah, it really does seem like that. Yeah, it seems like McPhee was fucking tilting at windmills mm-hmm. and being a huge dickhead about it. Yeah. So and and this is another example of of the dickheadedness. Right before she left. Uh, and Allison says this in Gringo and I mean, I've already said how I feel about the sources there, but like, I don't, I don't doubt that this could have happened. Yes. Right. She says that right before she left, she went to have the conversation with John and
1: about like, Hey, I got to get out of here. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: And while she was there, she got a bad fucking headache and mentioned that to John. He, she says he went to the other room, uh, grabbed two pills, gave them to her. She took it, and then she said he, he drugged her, and then she says she believes he raped her while she was passed out Mhm
1: um and that, don't deny that i, I yeah, don't I don't doubt that he's capable been of that prosecuted or anything
2: never been charged all right. um so she, it's all she, alleged she, yeah, it's all I, alleged
1: I wouldn't put it past him, but like
2: we yeah. don't know, yeah,
1: the thing is, and i I'm not victim blaming, I'm not doubting, but if well, I guess maybe the impetus would be that she was leaving, and she was like. Uh, abandoning him more or less, but why? Yeah. I don't know. How, did you watch interviews of her like talking about this or did you
2: just read The only time I I watched it. Okay. Um, The only time she describes the event was in Gringo. Okay. The interviews before and after she, uh, she says she doesn't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Needless to say, like (laughs) that makes total sense why Mm -hmm. she only talked about it in one place. If this happened, then that's a terrible fucking thing, and you probably wouldn't want to talk about it fuck a whole yeah. bunch. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, official stance. Don't know.
2: Yeah, don't know. That, but that is what she says. Yep. Yep. So she did get the fuck out though. Yeah. Good move. Yeah. Good fucking and not move. Not a
1: moment too soon either. Not
2: a moment too soon because shortly thereafter, uh, federal police they had enough. Mm-hmm. They had enough of the crazy white man waving guns at everybody's faces. Yeah. With all his goons with guns. Yeah. And he doesn't even drink. I've never seen an ounce of beer go into that compound. What the hell is wrong with this man, do you know? Um, That's, like, really
1: strong paranoia. Very strong, like...
2: Insane, intense paranoia.
1: Yeah, how do you convince yourself of that? And that's dangerous to be convinced of that and to have the resources to, like, do something about it, you know? Right. Because most people that have this level of paranoia are—they just concede that, okay, the government's probably fucking with me because I right. can't do anything about it, and I guess I'm just being
2: targeted. McAfee had both the financial resources, the spiritual resources to be like, no, this is my reality, right? Like, Yeah. And the fucking intelligence resources. He was capable,
1: and it really was his reality too, because he fucking made a conflict happen in Carmelita that right. didn't exist before. Exactly. He, you know, he decided that's the truth, and then it became the truth.
2: And because the Belizean government is by default a corrupt government, mm-hmm. um, he did get the corrupt government after him. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. If you want to go looking for corruption, like surely you'll find the it. The facts,
2: the the bare facts, became true. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, so the federal gang suppression unit raided his lab under suspicion that he was making meth. Pretty reasonable. Uh huh. Reasonable suspicion.
1: Yeah, I'll say.
2: However, they found no illegal drugs of any kind, right? Uh-huh. Nothing. Um, McAfee was thrown in jail for a night for possessing an, elite, an unlicensed firearm, right? Uh huh. Um, now, Willow, after everything you've just heard, how many guns do you think they found in the compound?
1: I'm willing to bet he has dozens. But I don't think they found dozens. Okay. I don't know. Rough don't, number. Rough number?
2: You can do a less than or more than two. Blah,
1: blah, blah, blah. Less than 30.
2: Yeah. Okay. They found 10 guns in total.
1: Okay. And I was going to guess 12.
2: Yeah. But no, that's a, I was no that was solid. You were very good at that. Yeah. Okay. And only 320 rounds of ammunition.
1: Yeah, not very many.
2: Legitimately not very many. So this is another example of, like, the other portrayal of John. Yeah. Like, this kind of confirms he just had some guards. Right, but he is good at hiding stuff. But maybe he just had a couple guards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that seems to confirm that. And maybe it's this, like, this writer from Wired, this fucking nerd writer, who's, like, sees a dude who's, like, an outlaw. Right, but because Building this dude's the never been exposed to the outlaw before, yeah, he sees it as way crazier than it actually is. Uh huh. Because like, I've 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 been around rednecks a fair bit in my life. <laughs> I've been around yeah. fucking dangerous situations and dangerous guns. Like, you know, I go to a party like, oh, uh, pro- someone's probably
1: some stupid idiot's going to get got their, got their a, gun out and be someone's like, someone's oh, got I'm a gun, right gun. Here, You know,
2: yeah. I haven't been to one of those redneck parties in many years, but I kind of miss it sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah. The chaos.
2: The chaos. The, the chaos of The barely of controlled chaos. The, the, heart of, the heart of the jungle.
1: <laughs> Who wants yeah. to shoot my revolver into the woods? That type of party. Yeah. yeah.
2: Fucking retarded. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, after the raid, McAfee was now convinced that powerful people were out to get him. Well, gee. And he was on a watch list now. Yeah. The, the gang suppression unit had him as a person of interest because... I mean, you know.
1: Yeah. He's well, a
2: person of interest, for sure.
1: He has certainly made himself to
2: be I'm one. interested. Um, he, McAfee believed that well-connected drug dealers had wanted him out of Carmelita and bribed the government to raid his property. Uh, yeah. So essentially run out of Carmelita, McAfee headed back to Ambergris Key, the wealthy resort town. Mm-hmm. Right? He brought his bodyguards, his 11 dogs, and the seven women who lived with him.
1: Okay, that's a lot. Of, that's a quite a posse.
2: He left Ambergris Key, ex-Pat John McAfee in the Panama hat. Yeah, he comes back with fucking <laughs> right a bunch of armed guards, mm-hmm. seven a harem of seven women, Hello again. eleven dogs. After his clandestine lab in the jungle has just been raided by the gang suppression
1: unit, <laughs> eleven dogs. I like to think that like they were all little like Maltese dogs or like a little little chihuahua and they were all like super tiny. Yeah. And they were all named like
2: That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That, like that'd, that'd Sally
1: be... and Daisy. You know. They they were probably like guard dogs though.
2: <laughs> no, they were like no? oh, they weren't really guard dogs. They were pet dogs. They were pets. Wow. I don't love dogs. Yeah, like they were cool. yeah, they weren't like a bunch of Rottweilers or fucking like All
1: right, I imagined like guard dogs,
2: but they were definitely like, you know, the medium large size like all right. decent dog probably but probably like, like mutts. Yeah, yeah. They weren't, like, fancy ass. He had... Yeah, like, sh- street mutts. He had his felons for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, John was scaring the shit out of his fucking neighbors in full paranoia jungle mode. These were, like, retirees and millionaires. Mm-hmm. Polite society. Shitheads. Like, he was terrifying them just by being there. without.
1: Yeah, because Ambergris Key was not, like, Carmelita.
2: We can... We can cut dead air. You could yeah. swallow the green bean before you...
1: Followed. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, Carmelita was very different than Amber Key. Yes. Yeah.
2: Much, much different. Carmelita was full of a bunch of Belizeans. Ambergris Key was a bunch of Floridians. Yes. You know? Uh, and I'm going to pull up that article because I want to, I couldn't find, like, I couldn't condense it too well to really give the full breadth of it. And I didn't want to just like copy and paste this fucking article into. Yeah. But there, there's a story. Joshua Davis sleeping. You know, in New York, wherever the fuck he is. Yeah. He's been covering John. So he's been having, you know, he, he, had, he had been down there. Then he went back to, went back home and he was writing, you know, periodic calls from John. And one night, 4.30 a.m., he gets a phone call. He's sleeping. He picks up the phone. And uh, here's the voice of John McAfee. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <like> right up. <laughs> and
2: he, says, I'm so-, he says, I'm sorry to wake you up at this hour, sir, but the GSU has surrounded me all night. McVie uh, explains that he's staying at Captain Morgan's Retreat, a resort at Ambergris Key. He decided to go for a walk at dusk. As He strolled along the beach. He heard the sound of approaching gas-powered golf carts. And quote. You can tell the GSU vehicles be have, because they have this low roar. I think they put special mufflers on them to scare people.
1: GSU meaning? Gang suppression unit. Oh.
2: It's a specific uh, branch of like, the armed federal police in Belize. Okay. Yeah.
1: And is this more paranoia or is this legit?
2: They're bad motherfuckers, probably. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I don't know if they have special gas-powered golf carts that. Ha- I, okay, I,
1: this because this to me smells of paranoia. Me too. Like oh, me too. I, I was, yeah. Oh, and the frequency was exactly right. the, the same. No, if as I the, like, like if, okay. I, if I had to bet,
2: I'm saying he's in full fucking bath yeah. salt paranoia mode because I'm sure he's still doing drugs.
1: Because this one, this one's weird. Yes. Yeah. There's some legit reasons he should be paranoid, mm-hmm. but the frequency of the golf carts
2: is not. Well, the thing is, right, exactly. Yeah. But like they were looking at him. Yeah. And he knows that, but he's, then he starts to see, he takes it to the he extreme. He sees
1: threats where there are none, because it's There's, probably just random tourists. There, like, uh, there, right there might be three a,
2: GSU dudes yeah. looking at him, right?
1: There could and be. And he thinks
2: everybody is. Yeah. Right. But I'm sure some, well, he dashed onto the porch of a nearby hotel and hid behind the bushes. Then he heard someone cough on the balcony above him. Oh, my and, God. And quote, as soon as I heard that, my heart sank. They were fucking everywhere. He's saying into the phone okay, at 4.30 yes. a.m. All
1: right. <laughs>
2: he, uh, he spends the next 25 minutes describing to Joshua Davis how the GSU silently surrounded him in the darkness. And quote, two of them were less than three feet away. They stood unmoving. No one said a word all night long. They just surround you and stand still. This is psychosis. Think about it. It's freaky shit, sir.
1: This is full-blown psychosis. <laughs> full-blown psychosis,
2: yeah. This is bath salts not sleeping for days.
1: Oh shit, someone near me coughed. That's obviously a sign that they're after Yeah, this is insomnia
2: psychosis from doing bath salts.
1: Thinking like this. Yes. Like, question the
2: reality of it. It's not true. Do you need
1: sleep? Do you need food? You know?
2: You need something. Yeah. Because, like, even in this case, he was right that we're looking at him.
1: But they're not doing it through hand signals. They're not doing it through color coding. They're not doing it through coughing. They're not
2: standing around him all night and just standing there. Right. They're not doing that. Those are shadows. Yeah. Like, dude. Yeah. So,
1: like, if someone is surveilling you, they're not sending you little signals that they're doing it. They're it's secret.
2: After after they uh, around four o'clock in the morning, he says uh, they retreated quietly and disappeared. The shadows. Oh. You know when the sun came up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then he walked onto the darkened beach. He thought he could see uh, Marco Vidal, the head of the GSU, motoring away in a boat. He screamed Vidal's name. (laughs) Vidal Vidal denies any GSU encounters with McAfee after the April 30th Mm -hmm. raid, Joshua Davis writes. Then a security guard approached and asked if John was okay. He says, quote." after a while, my heart was beating so fast. It was like one big hum. I was bursting with perspiration. Uh, When Joshua Davis suggests he gets some rest, he sounds frantic and scared. and He says, they're coming back. This is too fucking much. I'm hanging up. I'm going. Mine goes dead. Well, I
1: mean, at least he had the wherewithal to like call Joshua Uh during this moment and like talk to someone who can offer an outside perspective. I'm sure
2: part of him knew it was also a good story. Yeah. No matter what. Like, I think that's a part of him. Like, this is great.
1: Yeah. But I think (sighs) he also believed it because here's the thing. I. Have experienced some psychosis before. I have called the cops on things that weren't there. Like, you know, oh, there was someone like banging at my door. And I called the campus police yeah, at my yeah. college and they checked the footage and there was there was no one there. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's just that's just me then. Yeah. But yeah. it can be super duper convincing absolutely a hundred percent real to the person experiencing it like if for some reason like you just feel paranoid or scared and it gets way worse at night never happens like during the day it's always at night and like there's there's this thing called sundowning too that people with like dementia or alzheimer's experience and i think that in the beginnings of like (laughs) psychosis it does it flares up at night because there's more secrets at night. Yeah, yeah. It's quieter. There's more like More gaps to fill. More dead. Yeah, exactly.
2: So a week after that conversation, McAfee calls Joshua from the Belizean-Mexican border. He says he's had enough of Belize. He's got to get out," he said, yeah. a, a day ago, he was walking down the beach on Ambergris Key when several uh, GSU frogmen walked out of the water.
1: Okay, like a, aqua- aquatic agents. It. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. yeah,
2: not like aliens. I know not what yet. you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: still like that. That's
2: really it's weird. insane. Yeah. Later, he says a troop of GSU officers crowded into his room, but didn't say or do anything. He says, "I have just escaped from hell." Then, so th-
1: these are full blown yeah. hallucinations. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say so. Probably.
1: Yeah, more than likely. Or
2: he's just spinning a yarn. Or he's yeah. spinning a yarn.
1: Or a lie. Yeah.
2: You know, this, none of the, maybe he's just fucking with this dude. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, perhaps. Or I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah. Like, because all of this shit is happening. He's probably telling this dude because if he does truly believe this is happening or this yeah. is really happening, then <clears throat> I think he fuck, did you got to let someone know about it. Like, stop this shit. It's terrifying me. They're in my room. They're following me. They're terrorizing me at night. They're, you yeah, know, I yeah. can't escape these people. I got to get out of here. Put this out there, you know? Yeah. So that could also be part of his motivation and Yeah. sharing it.
2: I just, there's a part of me that really doesn't trust that he's not just after the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like, he might just, he might
1: be experiencing
2: fair. psychosis, but it might not be as extreme as he's making the story out to be because he also knows it's a good story.
1: Or his psychosis is fueled by this, like, weird uh, <laughs> blending of reality and fiction that he seems very able at doing. Yeah. You know, where, I don't know, the truth is just not even. Uh, it's not relevant. He can decide what the truth is and then it becomes true. That's so the thing.
2: The truth isn't relevant.
1: Right. So yeah. for that moment, if he wants that thing to be happening or imagines, if he just imagines that the thing is happening, that could be convincing enough that it could become true to him. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the next day he's at uh, a sushi restaurant and he's like all refreshed and he's feeling great and stuff.
1: Did he take a nap?
2: I think, I think he did then. And then six days later he calls again. Josh says, good morning, John. John says, good evening. I think it is. Jo- Joshua tells him it's 941 a.m. John says, uh, you're kidding me. I haven't slept for a couple nights. It felt like evening to me. Uh, he got his, the shit kicked out of him outside of Cancun, Mexico. Now he's back in Ambergris Key. He thinks they're not going to harm him. They're just trying to scare him. He then goes on this crazy fucking, he starts replacing his security guards with other guys and all this, all this paranoia shit. Yeah, yeah. Then, and this actually happened on Friday, November 9th. 2012, Joshua got an email from McAfee saying that he had a uh, contingent of black-suited thugs who disembarked on the dock next to his property at 10.30 p.m. The men dispersed on the beach, and about half an hour later, all of his dogs had been poisoned. And his dogs got poisoned. Someone killed his dogs.
1: Fuck. Was someone planning on robbing him?
2: Maybe. They might have been.
1: That would be a good incentive to kill someone's
2: dogs. Yeah. I don't know. McVie called him next morning to tell him that the dogs died horrific deaths. They were vomiting blood and convulsing on the ground.
1: That's terrible. Yeah.
2: And McVie had to put him down. He had to shoot him. Mm.
1: Um, That's very sad. He
2: was fucking sad. Uh, Joshua asked, how is Amy doing? He said, I've tried calling her twice. She's not answering. She's not doing well. Joshua recalls a conversation he had with uh, Amy M. Schiller in August she was describing someone in Carmelita who tortured dogs and she uh, said, "Oh, we don't trust Amy." Right. Exactly. She said, uh, "Mess with my dog, you're going to get it, man." So I don't trust okay. Amy. Yeah. I but don't she trust it seems like she John loved dogs too. To. Right. In another mm-hmm. conversation, she also said she had become profoundly committed to McAfee and quote, "If he asked me to blow someone's fucking brains out, I would." And I'm sure she would. I'm sure she fucking would. I'm
1: sure she would also blow his brains out.
2: But you know. So he thinks he's, he sees military-style boot prints around the fence. He thinks the police are involved. He says, uh, end quote, I'm a paranoid person. I really am. But the whole thing is looking really weird to me.
1: Well, now it justifies all of that paranoia right. from before. Even if it was, it could have been one of his girlfriends. It could have been someone planning on robbing him or something. Right. Like, but now this very thing... Just shows him, like, oh, okay, well, I was, yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: You know, it's just more proof for him.
2: So there was one guy who was two houses to the south on Ambergris Key. He particularly hated the fucking dogs. Yeah. Uh, he was a five foot 11, 220 pounds, uh, probably like 60 year old, like, well, probably 50s uh, sports bar owner, owner from Orlando, Florida, named Greg Fall, F A U L L. Okay. Um, he loved the place. It was a tropical paradise. He spent part of the year there. He loved it, except for the fucking dogs. That just wouldn't the eleven dogs. That just would. Did they shut, bark? They would not shut the fuck up oh. ever. They were eleven jungle dogs from McAfee's jungle compound. Okay. They never shut the fuck up All ever. Right. I can see.
1: Th- I can see
2: this. Uh, Fall confronted McAfee about the animals in the past. According to McAfee, Fall once threatened to shoot them, but McAfee didn't believe he'd do it. Allison Adenizio uh, had stayed at Greg Fall's house when she first moved to Belize in twenty ten. She said there was bad blood between the, t- the two dudes. Yeah. Uh, said that McAfee hated his guts. I'm sure he fucking did. It's He sort of represents everything that McAfee hates in the world. And McAfee seems like it represents what, <laughs> everything that Greg Fall hates in the world. Yeah. But, well, earlier in the week, Fall had filed a formal complaint about the dogs with the mayor's office in the nearby town of San Pedro. And, like, Joshua starts asking McAfee about this. And McAfee dismisses the suggestion that any of his neighbors could have been involved in the apparent poisoning. He says, "In quote." They're still dog lovers, and I talked to them this morning. No one here would ever poison the dogs. Mm -hmm. And specifically about Fall, he says, this is not something you would ever do. I mean, he's an angry sort of guy, but he would never hurt a dog. Yeah. Um, Sunday morning, Fall is found lying face up in a pool of blood. He's been shot once through the back of the head, execution style. Mm -hmm. Nine millimeter lure casing on the ground nearby. There are no signs of forced entry. A laptop and an iPhone are missing, police say. So that afternoon, the Bleezing police arrive at McAfee's property to question him. Yeah. He doesn't know that Greg Fall is dead. Yep. He thinks they're after him. Oh. fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. So he uh, digs a shallow trench in the sand and buries himself, pulling a cardboard box over his head and stays there.
1: So that he has like air to breathe.
2: Well, so he's just hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And he has air to breathe. He's not going to bury himself completely. Yeah. But so like, yeah, he's just a cardboard box. McAfee couldn't hide under a cardboard box. He too big. They're never going to look here. Yeah. And he said, he said they, that he was there for like 24 hours. Joshua Davis says he was there for three, you know.
1: I mean, yeah, he probably didn't need to stay there for 24 hours unless he was having a good time.
2: Right. He says, uh, end quote, it was extraordinarily uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seems like it sucked.
1: Okay. But yeah, he yeah. did.
2: If anyone's ever played Metal Gear Solid, that's a John McAfee special. Mm-hmm. He did that shit. A cardboard box. Works every time. So, like,
1: uh, I can see... A neighbor being disgruntled about the dogs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I know for some time, my mom had to stick up her butt about the neighbors' chickens. She's gotten over it, but like, <laughs> never ever would we think like, oh, I gotta murder those right. of So like, you can be angry at your neighbors. We have another neighbor They they used to have dogs that barked really loud. It's annoying, but like. You know, so I can see this being a real concern, a real recurring sort of back and forth. But certainly, like, it's not a yeah. very strong motive to poison 11 dogs. No. And also, like, how, what was the poisoning method? Did, was it put, like, in the, the food bowls? Don't or? Know. Okay.
2: Yeah. So they, they wanted to pull them in for questioning. And believes there's no laws about, like, not letting people out. Like, mm-hmm. you can pull someone in and keep them there for 60 days. Oh. Yeah. It's a long time. Which is why McAfee didn't want to talk to the cops.
1: I don't Reasonable. blame him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When, according to McAfee, when he first heard of the murder, uh, his initial reaction was that the GSU, the gang suppression unit, was trying to kill McAfee.
1: Yeah. Especially after, like, his dogs were, mm-hmm. you know, just poisoned. He's...
2: and quote. I thought maybe they were coming for me.
1: Yeah, They mistook him
2: he- for me. They got the wrong house. He's dead. They killed him. It spooked me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... He decides he's got to get the fuck out of Belize, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where we're going to pick up next week.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) That's all I can say.
2: Yeah. So, yep.
1: It's been a journey.
2: It's been a journey.
1: It's not over yet. It's
2: not over yet. Fuck. He still hasn't run for president yet.
1: Oh, my God. He still
2: hasn't met Janice. Wow. He still hasn't. Promised to
1: where's use- amy it's i i love amy
2: uh amy amy's days in belize okay yeah i think she might she's actually done. start running with him but like i don't know
1: wonder what she's doing right
2: now yeah i don't know she i mean seems like she got a pretty payday from both showtime and john mcafee awesome but yeah so that's that's the that's the long narrative one next week we're gonna hear a lot more from mcafee himself
1: okay so that's it and that's it for yeah. this one
2: Thank you guys for listening. We'll Hope see you, you next enjoyed. time. We'll see you next week. Yes. We've been recording for a while now.
1: We sure it's have. It's much
2: later than we normally do it. Yeah. But, all right. So all right.
1: Take care. We Bye. love you.
2: Love you. Be well. Um, take the right things from John McAfee. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's a couple good lessons and a bunch of really bad ones. Indeed. Just be selective. Indeed. Use your noggin. All right. Take care, guys.
1: Bye-bye.